Welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is Sunday, June 3rd. It is episode 63. I'm Tony. And I'm Dennis. And we are joined once more by a guest, a super special guest. He is one of the hosts of the wildly popular video show slash podcast, Straight Down the Middle, a pinball show. He follows the better red than dead philosophy when it comes to his LED color selections. <laughs> he is known far and wide for destroying Iron Maiden for theme reasons alone and the disgusting practice of putting ketchup on a hot dog. The Eclectic Gamers Podcast welcomes Zachary Minnie to the show. Zach, wow. welcome. I love that intro. Thanks so much, Dennis. <laughs> Tony, how's it going, buddy? It's going pretty good. There's nothing I, wrong with ketchup on a hot dog as long as it's got you as know, long as other you're stuff. five. Oh, it's fine. it needs more than just ketchup. I <laughs> ate three of them yesterday just for you two. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look, it doesn't. Need, it's a hot dog. It's a simple. Cre- look, we're not because we know people get mad when you turn podcasts about pinball into podcasts about food. But I'm just going to tell you, do look, they really? Hot dog needs. Maybe we should do a test. Needs three things. Well, it needs Uh-oh. two things. Mustard and onions. If you want to include cart water that the hot dog was sitting in while it was waiting for you to go buy it, you can include that. (laughs) That's it. That's it. It doesn't need to be Chicago style where they put... Chicago screwed up pizza. They screwed up hot dogs as well. They did not screw up pizza. You do not they need did to screw up hot dogs. Celery salt on a hot dog. So you can't even taste celery. So why celery is there even salt. a salt? Ba- yes, it's one of the core components of a, of a Chicago style hot dog. Not that you'd ever taste it because one, celery has no taste. And two, that they put jalapenos on it as well. So you can't taste any hot dog anyway. Because all you taste is jalapeno. Yep. Ruined. Onions and mustard? Really? Come yeah. on, onions and mustard. Like that is the mustard. core base, proper hot dog. Now, to be fair, if you want to have a really good hot dog, the first thing you got to do is smother it in chili. Okay, I'm fine. And then that. add onions and mustard. Okay. If you want to turn it into a chili dog, I just, to me, it's no longer a hot dog, and you may go down whatever path you wish, <laughs> except ketchup, chili, onions, and mustard. Perfect chili dog. Okay, I I could get on board with that. So Zach, do you do you like mustard now? Did we convert you? You know what? I'm going to try mustard. I don't I don't particularly like mustard. Um, anytime I've eaten it, but because of the outpour and the messaging <laughs> that I've received over this darn hot dog fiasco, I'm going to try several different uh, mustards. Hmm. So I'm I'm well, open to change, guys. I'm well, open to change. I I don't ever try and make people like something they don't like. My recommendation would just be that you not ever eat hot dogs ever again. <laughs> oh. And the and the problem is solved. You are no longer an abomination <laughs> and you're not expected to like a condiment that you hate. So, I mean that's my that's core, the compromise. My core philosophy always is my opinion is the correct one and I will teach people to like what I like. That sounds familiar. Is that it fair? Does. Is that fair? Hmm. This, that sounds real familiar. It does. It's it's this going. It's this is very dark. I feel. <laughs> oh, this is going to be good. This is going <laughs> to be good. So anyway, we're in our introduction phase. So Zach, we've already <sighs> welcomed you onto the show, but let you know. Let the listeners know. Are you got to talk about what straight down the middle is, or what you do, or your involvement in the hobby. For those listeners who are tuning in. Uh, we are not going to do a video game segment this time. It is going to be all about pinball. We're usually okay. very heavy on pinball anyway. Next uh, episode we're doing is going to be the E3 episode. So there's going to be video games out the wazoo. So mm-hmm. people can very nice. shift over at that. But So tell us about you, Zach. Tell us about you. Oh, well, my name is Zach. Uh, straight down the middle of pinball show is uh, something a buddy, uh, Greg, and uh, he's in Louisville. Greg and I started 
I think it's been about a year and a half ago. Uh, we started, we wanted to, we liked the Todd Tucky stuff off of TNT Amusements, and we really liked all the podcasts that we were listening to regarding pinball, but we wanted something a little bit different, something with a little bit, bit of comedic value. So we thought, uh, I met Greg, he was kicking the tires on some of the machines I was selling. So one day I was like, buddy, just give me a call, give me a text, let's, let's talk pinball, uh, let's hang out. So we hung out. The first time we hung out, we actually recorded the first, second, and third episode of Straight Down the Middle. It's a YouTube-based show. We do different things uh, like machine reviews. We do top ten lists. Uh, we do different promotional stuff. We wanted to kind of do just a, a catch-all media for anything pinball. And my philosophy in pinball is always it's so visual that we have to show people what we're talking about. So from then on, we've just kind of hit the ground running. We've got... Um, a different uh, different format than a lot of people. We have Twitch stream now with Chuck Wirt. Um, we have a Facebook page. So check us out on all different types of things. We're always trying to bring something new to the pinball media industry. Yeah, it's uh, actually I completely miss out on most of your experience because I actually subscribe to the audio podcast uh, okay. to listen to on my commute. So when you do reviews, I just have to close my eyes and then I'm in a ditch because <laughs> yeah. I subscribe. But you know that's just what that's what had to happen. So I mean, we all make sacrifices for the hobbies that we participate in. That's right. Well, so many people were asking. They were saying, well, I want to listen to it in the car, but I don't want to yeah, end up in a ditch. So what can we do? So we, a lot of the episodes that it, it makes enough sense to turn into an audio, uh, we just transcode it into an audio and we throw it up there for people. It's not the best because visually our show is very visual. So uh, we do a lot of gags and editing jokes and uh, clip art and memes and stuff, but uh, you still get the the basis of what we're trying to do on audio as well. Yeah, I've been thinking about actually converting over and just watching it on YouTube because those come out so much faster than the, when you finally That's get right. around to doing the transition. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I had to make super special exception to get the Iron Maiden info for that intro because oh, the okay. audio version wasn't out yet. That's so correct. I had to, but I saw I saw the drama. The, the pinball forums were uh, aghast. Oh, they were blowing up on me, man. Goodness yeah. gracious. I'm still getting messages. Well, you, but, might, you might for half a year. I mean, this could be Stern's Game of the Year. It's okay. Screw it. The theme sucks. It is what it is. <laughs> we're we're gonna we're gonna have some fun exploring uh, poor theming here later in the show. I think so. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Tony, uh, intro time. What's going on? Well, I managed to break the hundred hour barrier on BattleTech. Mm-hmm. Bruce would be proud. Twenty five hours ago, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, I've beaten that game, and I'm still playing it. Uh, I have actually started to play video games other than Battletech now. I played a couple hours of Oxygen Not Included. I played, uh, I've been playing some Stardew Valley. Um, otherwise, nothing big has been going on. We just had the, uh, we had, uh, well, I guess that's a lie. Something big did go on. We went to Penapalooza last weekend. Mm, yep. And then we had a tournament this weekend. So I actually played yeah. off of actually played pinball like did. two weeks in a row. Nice. Yeah. That, 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 that doesn't always happen for me. So. Yeah. Penapalooza is, uh, 
it's sort of a private party. It usually happens a couple times a year. Todd, who's uh, the owner operator of Big Daddy Enterprises, which if you've ever had to get some boards or something, you may have relied upon him for those. He's a I've heard of major, that, yeah. yeah, he's a major parts supplier uh, for a lot of people who are doing restoration work in the hobby. Uh, so he has over ninety games. Wow. And he hosts a couple times a year. Um, so a lot of people in the Kansas and Missouri area get invited to go out there and they usually run a couple of tournaments in conjunction with it. So it's always a lot of fun. He's a really good host. Uh, and it was, it was a good event as usual, though. I did my performance not so good in the <laughs> yeah. tournaments. Where do you put 90 pinball machines? Uh, in a basement, in a very big basement. In a basement uh, that I drew, even without the pinball machines, I would drool over this basement because it no is joke. one of the largest, nicest basements I've ever seen. I mean, it's not like a super finished basement. It's basically just open space, but it is perfect and it is full of machines. It's amazing. Wow. Yeah, it's sort of a, uh, I mean, I, I've seen other basements that kind of go in this layout. It'd be what I consider sort of if you have a ranch style house and a basement that runs the length of a ranch house, that's mm-hmm. the sort of space potential. Yeah. That's, but he that's also, a large basement. Yeah. Yeah. It is. And he also has games in his garage and such as well. They're not all in the basement though. That the, the vast majority of that collection is. So what games do you guys like playing, uh, when you went to Pinapalooza? Well, he's what? got a he's got a really eclectic yeah. collection of different manufacturers and eras. So, for me, it's just a lot of the stuff that I don't normally get to see. So he's got like the A list Williams games, for example. But we mm-hmm. have a lot of those on location around here. Yeah, we're and, lucky that way. Right. And I I know you live out in an area where it's much more difficult to actually encounter location pinball. Yes, very much so. So I tend to gravitate more towards a lot of the System 11 Williams games, which we nice. don't see out on location very much. Uh, he has a lot of the popular Gottlieb EMs. He's got a few things like System 1s that are, are less encountered. He has a few other rare titles as well. So like uh, Time Machine, um, Al's oh, Garage Band, yeah, Comet. So, so it's just, uh, cool. he's just got a big mix. So yeah, uh, if, if there's some of those popular Williams games that we don't see a lot on location, uh, I like to play those there, but it's usually the late eighties, early nineties stuff just because they just don't get routed very much, uh, mm-hmm. in this area, at least, you know, we're not Seattle. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that was my weekend last weekend as well. I had this week off work because I wanted to just not do anything, uh, and then cleaned up the yard. So I'm covered in poison ivy because I didn't pay attention. <laughs> And then we had a big windstorm, so I was up on the roof this morning putting my chimney cap back on, and I didn't lose too many branches. So anyway, that's just about it. Just boring stuff. So we're done with intros. We're done with the boring. So let's let's move on. Let's get let's get to why Zach's here. He's here to educate us about pinball. He's been doing his show for a year and a half. He knows everything that knows everything there is to know about pinball. Absolutely. That's why you're here. To give us some education, we need we need to learn. I'll be happy to teach you. We spend a lot we spend a lot of time on video games too, instead of properly learning everything there is to know about pinball. So we're going to start with the news. And Let's do the it. first first news item I want to note is this week in pinball, which a, that's right, which a lot of us rely on uh, in whole or in part for learning about the news of the industry. They are now open to and seeking donations for the site because it's one person doing a lot of work. 
Mm-hmm. So I have a link in the show notes. If you want to give a donation, you can go and follow that. Uh, he's doing a lot of giveaways. He's always done giveaways, but there are a lot of giveaways associated with this as of June. You do not have to donate if you, if you don't, you can't afford to, don't want to, you can still enter the drawings. There's a way to do it. Uh, you're automatically entered if you donate. Doesn't matter what amount, any amount gets you entered. You can set it up for monthly if you want to set it up for monthly. But I just wanted to note it because we use this week in pinball. We link to it quite a bit. So it's a really useful resource. Uh, Jeff does a lot for the hobby. And I understand he's putting in 30 plus hours a week doing that. So it's mm-hmm. a lot of work. Yeah. It's not yeah. like this show, which is very easy. I'll stop it, guys. Yeah. Jeff, Jeff's a close friend of mine. And I'll add to that, Dennis, that, uh, this guy is the most humble individual, uh, not like myself, unfortunately, but the dude is just so humble, so nice. He spends so, so many hours, uh, doing this. And he called me before he he listed this uh, donation service, and he was having a really really hard time with that, uh, just because he's never wanted to ask anything from anybody. That's just the type of person he is. Uh, so this is really tough for him. So I think everybody should know that. Um, but he spends twenty to thirty hours every week for all of us to get the exclusives, to get the news. So uh, please reach out uh, if you like pinball media and content. Reach out and do a monthly thing that would help him out the best. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's just, he's not asking for any set amount. It's, it's completely voluntary and there's no harm in asking. That's my philosophy. And the sweepstakes, you guys, the sweepstakes is killer. I mean, this guy's Uh, giving away (laughs) all kinds of crap. Yeah. You're like number one sponsor, Penn Stadium. I saw (laughs) them right there. That's right. That's right. That's a big, that's a big gift. That's like $300 worth of Penn Stadium lights. That's right. So you and can light up, you what, can light up your world. Your wild under glass could be lit. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I could go on a tangent about that, but I'll save you guys and your viewers. But uh, he's also. What do you guys think about him giving away d- deep root pinball machines? It, it kind of threw me because I thought, well, they're not even making pinball machines. Yeah, that's how do you, a little. Uh, let's talk about that. How do you guys really feel about that? Five pinball machines and. Uh, what Robert Mueller's getting the designers to go to these people's homes and set them up that a little lofty, if you ask me. Yeah, it's well, I mean, <laughs> I don't know how many people would really want, want, or, well, maybe I should say need the help in, in setting up a, setting up a game. I'm hoping, I'm hoping they're a little, they're a little more built than, than what I, what I'm afraid of when I hear that. <laughs> Though, uh, I, I guess if, if Deep Roots is doing that as a, as a sponsorship sort of thing, I mean, I'm assuming Jeff didn't go out and, and is buying these and then using them as giveaways. Cause I'd say, dude, no. you're yeah. not going to get enough yeah. donations no, to no. pay that no, off. No, 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 no. Gonna, no. <laughs> let's set up your Patreon first. And That's right. We'll, let's I, do baby I, steps. <laughs> I, like, we do I like, uh, I like Barry Asler, but do I really want Barry Asler coming to my house to hang out? I, I don't know. Maybe Barry's a nice guy. Uh, I think he's a mustard hot dog guy. So <laughs> you might, you might want to know, you might want to know a little bit more about him before. Yeah. You start. Uh, anytime you can do a giveaway that involves a pinball machine, uh, it's going to turn heads. So Absolutely. the, I mean, my understanding was that the deep root stuff will come later down the line. It's not as of June. So I'm assuming that's, that's, that's just, a, I think it's just given a tease. Jeff's given us a little tease here. And then when we get closer to 2019 TPF, when that stuff gets announced, uh, I think that's when you'll actually see some, some substance behind it. So mm-hmm. as a, as a interesting heads up, uh, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know a whole lot what to think. There are a lot of people in the community that I don't think are taking deep root pinball seriously. 
they're spending way too much money to be joking. Yeah. In my There's view. no way that you're shoveling that much money out and you're yeah. not going to put something out. It might not be mm-hmm. good, but. Right. But until people see the machines, they're going to be skeptical about mm-hmm. whether it's something you want or not. But, you know, if you win something that you didn't buy, uh, you can always sell it if you don't like Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if, and sell if it's it or a $50,000 pinball machine, why not? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's included, but yeah, no, uh, the price range I think was more in the three point five to ten. So I'd take so, one happily. Sure. Yeah, yeah. No. I mean, that's that's free money. No, I, I um, am very just because of the designers involved with Deeper. I am very interested in seeing the both the the new stuff that comes out from the relatively unknown names that are that are going to be coming up with things. And obviously, when you've got four well established designers in that in your stable. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will be really interesting. Uh, I mean, me personally, I I would say I'm most curious about what John Norris will develop because he's just he's been out of the game the longest of all of them, and I think he had a lot of really unique uh, playfield layouts when he was with Premier. But I I knew you'd love that one, Dennis. It's so well the you know Premier all so they have so many neat layouts and they're so crippled by. The, the rules where they weren't allowed oh, to go in and clean them up. But uh, we had this discussion with Bruce uh, as of our last episode, though. The layouts, broadly speaking, are, are very good out of Gottlieb. They're unique and they're fun to shoot. It's just when you have bad mystery award rules, it just, yeah. from a tournament perspective, it kills it. You just can't play Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And it can even take away the fun in a home environment because you it's it can be difficult to not one trick. It's just a one trick ponying game, especially mm-hmm. because a lot of them are too old to really be mode based. I mean, Stargate was really their only big mode based game. Everything else sort of predates that. And then they were out of business. So. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So I'm just, I'm always curious about the, I'm always curious about the failures in history. So premiere interests me from a, from a, <laughs> think of it as a Greek tragedy standpoint. <laughs> That's what I, I find interesting, but I don't tend to rate uh, Gottlieb's at the top of my personal list of games, but I talk about them a lot because I, I listen to a lot of pinball podcasts as well, and I'm tired of always talking about medieval madness and shadow. So I want to talk oh, about Oh, come stuff. on. I love shadow. It's fun. We have one on location though. So I get my fill of shadow whenever and it I works. Go. And it works. Oh yeah. It's wow. handled by one of our top operators in the state. That's, yeah. That's impressive. We, we take our pinball seriously here in pancake land. <laughs> hey, you know what I love about you guys is that you're somewhat close to us. We're in the Southern Indiana. Uh, Louisville region and everything seems to be Chicago or Northeastern based. So um, whenever I started listening to your podcast, I thought, Oh my God, these guys are like not that far of a drive away. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're real close. We could come visit. We could give you actual good barbecue as opposed to what you have down that way. Ouch. Ouch, man. <laughs> so mean. I would never have said that. Not, not till the second date at least. <laughs> so, so anyway, so this week in pinball, link in the show notes. Also, uh, I didn't mention it in the intro, but I've got links to your YouTube channel, Zach, and uh, oh, the audio version. So anyone who, for some reason, isn't yet listening or watching can just easily go and access that. And also, so- I, I, I do want to add, Dennis, that um, there's a little rumor going around that this week in pinball is starting their own podcast. Yes, he actually, that little rumor was noted in the page where he was talking about the donation process. Yeah, so, I saw and I've, that. I, I've seen that dropped. I've seen hints dropped a couple of times. Uh, so what do you think of that, Zach? What do you think of another pinball podcast out there in the world of podcasting? 
Honestly, I am obsessed with anything pinball and pinball media related. So I listen to every single podcast there is out there. Um, I am I so sorry. Say, <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. There's, there's some junk <laughs> ones out there, but I will say this is uh, not to toot you all's horn here, but um, initially, I'm going to be honest. I'm a very honest guy. Initially, when I started listening to you guys' podcast, um, I was thrown by the video game slant with it. Um, so I didn't listen to it as much, but this is no BS. Your podcast because of the intelligence you guys bring the knowledge you bring and some of the statistical analysis you guys have in my books one of the greatest pinball podcasts out there a lot of the ones i used to listen to i don't listen to as much you're right up there one and two for me my love it's it's very kind of you Uh, um your check is in the mail (laughs) i'm building you up before we before we get to the later part here Uh, but no this week in pinball it it seems like a good idea. He's got the news, so why not yeah. uh, have a format that is something more on the entertainment side rather than the objective uh, news-related stuff? I think a little mix will be good. And I do hear uh, the rumors suggest that he's doing a co-host as well, and it is one of the greatest pinball personalities in the community. So I'm really stoked mm. to uh, to hear their, go, their back and forth. Yeah, So that's yeah. exclusive okay. right there. Yeah, yeah, I I like that. Me personally, I I'm always happy for more podcasts. I, people all talk about how there's so many pinball podcasts, and re- they aren't they aren't listening to enough of them to understand. Once you factor out just how many quote unquote active pinball podcasts don't even come out monthly, there's really Absolutely. not that much content coming out. That which is, is how true. how shows like Tony and mine can rise up even with the video yeah. game elements in it. <laughs> Because people are just desperate. So you'll just take what we give you. <laughs> I enjoy so. the video game slant now because I, I'm not in that world. So whenever I hear it at the end of the episodes and I think, oh, my God, this is cool. At least I'm, I'm knowing about uh, some of the Loot Crate stuff and just the different things that the gaming world has to offer yeah. now. So Tony's Loot Crate up. episode is one of our most popular. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. No, it, but it does alienate people, too. We have uh, I mean, it probably impacts our, our initial listener grasp just because it's uh, in the world of podcasts, you're dealing with almost half a million active podcasts is my understanding of the statistics. Wow. And it's, and, and they can be as niche as you want them to be. Yeah. So why we're basically straddling two parts of a Venn diagram. When we started this show, we straddled three. Yeah. And you, there are some people who really like that if they're into both worlds. And then there are other people that are only into one world. And you know why you, you can always listen to coast to coast. If you just want to hear about pinball, you don't have to listen to us. So but then you, yeah. you'd only listen once a year though. Well, not if you start at episode one and then just like listen to one a week, you got, you got like a year, you got many years worth of material there. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Myth- if you like the old news. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing I, would be breaking. Yeah. No, sadly. No. <laughs> But um, the interesting interviews, Topcast too, and oh, they're, they're completely defunct. Great interviews, though. Absolutely. Okay, news item number two: J Pop, aka John Papaduke, who is now with Deep Root Pinball. However, uh, just a, this was a very last minute thing I saw that I just had to stick into the show notes here. But he has fi- formally filed appeal regarding the civil judgment, which relates to his Zidware Enterprise, the whole Magic Girl debacle. We talked about that a couple episodes back, that the uh, courts found him personally liable for the the failure to produce. This is an appeal on that. So the legal system wheels continue to wheel. It's going to dance and appeals and appeals and appeals and appeals for a well, while. Well, 
I I mean most stuff does like this. I think I think if he doesn't win, if he doesn't get his appeal, and I, I assume the odds would be against. I haven't read the appeal, so that would be on a matter of law, though. So that would be the a challenge that the judge probably did something wrong. Would be the notion. Yeah. So just statistically speaking, most appeals don't get granted. If they don't get granted, I think there's one more level of appeal he could probably go to, and then that's pro- that's probably it. I think that's the end of it. But and of course, what's we'll the kind of money we're talking about? He's going to appeal to every sure. every. He's going to sure. take every chance to. And there get may it and there may be and there may be legitimate grounds. I don't know because unlike the Kevin Kulik. Uh, Skip B stuff, which is in federal court. Right. It's easy to get access to what's going on with that. This is all happening in Illinois. It's a state thing. And so people aren't able to easily produce the court documents. So I can't just sit there and read them and then know exactly mm-hmm. what happened. Yeah. Which is what I've done with the, with the Kevin stuff because it's available and I'm not paying $7.50 a page to keep up on Zidware. So, sorry. <laughs> my Patreon is not running. So, <laughs> so you just got, I spent enough on America when we were trying to figure out what was going on with American pinball and I was doing open records requests <laughs> and they charged me out the wazoo for that stuff. So don't worry. I'm only a little bitter. <laughs> All right. So let's move to the, the third item. This one, I, I'm sure Zach's had a good look at. It's the Deadpool leak, the image, the playfield mm. image. So for those that don't know, there's yeah. an image that's been, it's kind of quietly made the rounds for a while on cell phones and the, in the dark corners of Android and iPhone. <laughs> but it's now come out publicly. It's been on the social media. And that is uh, an image with kind of a sketch of the art laid on it of the play field for Deadpool. Now, what's not known entirely is, is the image the Trudeau design or is it the Gomez design? Because everyone's understanding is based off of the Zombie Yeti interview. And Zombie Yeti is an artist. Jeremy Packers is his actual name. He was on Head to Head Pinball, another excellent podcast. And that he noted that George Gomez took over Trudeau's project. Now, he didn't say it was Deadpool, but that's what everyone's thinking it is. So the date on the photos are after Trudeau was out, but that doesn't mean it wasn't a photo of the old playfield. That said, when I looked at the playfield, to me, it looks like a Gomez design. It's Gomez. Come on. Look at the look at the ramps. Look, there's no flipper. It's Gomez. Zach, can't we stretch this out a little bit, man? (laughs) Can't we we tease them? No, let's get to it. Are you this blunt on your show always? (laughs) No. No, I'm very slow and soft-spoken on the show. (laughs) Okay, yeah. I I take a neutral approach on the show. Right. No, (laughs) when I I saw the photo and I heard that the questions were, is this Gomez or is this Trudeau? First thing I did is look at the flipper gap. Now I go, Gomez. Yeah. Come on. It looks like the whole backboard looks like Avengers. Yeah, there's yep, the, the it's got the uh, one of those Avenger shots. It's almost uh it's almost verbatim. Um the black I widow ramp, I think. I don't see anything in here that screams Trudeau at all. There's nothing. <laughs> Tony, any are, any are, rebuttal there? I mean uh, No, no, I, I'm I am in complete agreement with you. I couldn't I couldn't find a single element that made me think it was it was a Trudeau design. Yeah, no, I think it's okay. a newer league. Okay. I, I, I will, I will keep my horribly non-family friendly jokes out of it. Yes, no. <laughs> be careful. You be, you be nice. <laughs> Thank Holy you, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, what I worry about, uh, have you guys had a chance to really look at the 
photo? Uh, I, I've looked at it twice now, yeah, but I, I haven't studied times. it in a great deal of detail. I've probably looked at it for less than five minutes altogether. I didn't get the giant, get a giant high res version and go deep on it. My sad sorry butt's been looking at this thing for the last seven months and I've <laughs> dissected every little shot of this thing. And, um, I'm excited about it, but I just don't know about the layout. Mm. Yeah. The, I mean, you mentioned the comparison to Avengers and that's, and that's the concerning part to me because uh, mm-hmm. Avengers is not a great game. I don't and mind it that bad, but I, I don't hate it either. I've really only gotten to play it at shows. I don't know anyone in the area who owns one. And, but the thing is, it's not the, it's not so much the rules and they did a patch, which did help it out, but there mm-hmm. are some of those shots that just are not particularly comfortable. That Black and, Widow shot's a devil. Right, right. And then, and then that's the shot that's here. So I'm, I'm not going to say one shot ruins, ruins a game. Games can have challenging shots. You may have heard of a game called Houdini. Rumor has it it has tight shots. I don't know if you've heard that. The Houdini they has tight shots. They say it they, does. Yeah, they, they say they, so much. Some they. say it's a masterpiece, though. Yeah. Who's to say just saying. You really liked it. I wouldn't go. Love I it. didn't say it was a masterpiece. I said I enjoyed it. You said it was the greatest pin that was ever crafted. That's I what I heard. Drunk. <laughs> I don't recall being that drunk at Texas. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe that was maybe that was American Pinball who told me that. I I was drunk. <laughs> it, it was it was probably straight down the middle because I love that game. Love. I it. know you do. I love the shot layout. I love the rules. I love the beauty of it. The art. There's nothing that that game does wrong for me except for some bugs in the code but josh kugler's cleaning that up what about waiting 20 minutes for it to spell out every single rule for you then giving you the ball and not telling you anymore dennis there's two <laughs> buttons on the left and the right of the machine you press them at the i don't same know time. about those but oh. i don't know about those buttons there's, <laughs> the, there's there's the ball it's ready what, where are these buttons i don't know, <laughs> I don't know. yeah no i uh we tony and i both played it at tpf that was the uh this year we didn't yeah. play it at 2017's uh because the lines were massive and they were constantly breaking and they had obviously it was such a prototype so we did yeah. play that we did play it this year uh we both enjoyed it so. it does talk T- tight shots i'll and give all. you that but Oh, okay. So yeah. So yeah, the shot layout. Yeah. I don't, hmm, I don't know. That's why I, I was only half joking when I mentioned that Iron Maiden may go down as Stern Pinball's best game that they make this year. I think it will be for the community. Um, there's a, there's a fluctuation, not to be too controversial here, but there is a fluctuation in popularity, um, that I've found in pinball. And that fluctuation oftentimes comes outside of the actual machine itself. Uh, it comes from the community. And there are uh, certain individuals that uh, people gravitate towards because of the way they are. So they want to support those individuals. Um, so I think Iron Maiden is a fantastic game. The gameplay is phenomenal. The code is phenomenal. Uh, but I think a lot of why this game gets promoted so much is the theme is the – it's this bad boy rock music. Like you're cool if you like this kind of music. So a lot of people fall into that um, as well as just the designer himself being a first time designer and the greatest pinball player to ever live, Keith Elwin. Uh, So that helps elevate it as well. Um, So there's, I think there's a lot of components to why, and I agree with you, it will probably go down as Stern's greatest pin of the year. But having said that without ranting too much, um, there are some really, really cool, machines coming out for Stern Pinball in the fall. So, Right. Yeah. 
So let's go. I know we're still sort of in the, the Deadpool area, but it's only one photo. We can only do so much with it. Uh, so hold let's up, explore. hold up, Dennis, Dennis, sorry, real quick, buddy. If you look at that Deadpool photo for all of the viewers out there and the listeners out there, what are they doing to that right orbit? And you guys might not have the photo in front of you, but uh, I'll ask that a lot of your uh, listeners go look at the photo. I, I still don't know what in the hell is going on with that right orbit. Now you can yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. It's a, no, it's a good, it's a good point. And we, and we do have to remember that that design may still have been in tweak form. I mean, it is, it is many months old. So artwork's beautiful though. Yes. Yeah. Well, Colossus could be bigger. Yeah. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. No, it's, it's a fair point. It's fair. Who knows? Maybe, maybe they'll come back and say, uh, after all, this wasn't an approved release. They may. End up saying Marvel might say Colossus is too small. Yeah, no, Colossus. You know, part of that part of that negotiation with the licensor. Uh, See, that's one of the things. I, I and this is a slight off topic. This is one of the things I've liked with the Deadpool movies is because Colossus is my favorite X Men, and he got royally screwed over in the uh, original X Men movies. And at least in Deadpool, we get to see him be mm-hmm. a joke, but still fun. But yeah. I mean, my my takeaway, yeah, I couldn't really tell on the the, the that inner right orbit. I assume it's supposed to feed up to that that ramp. That was my assumption. Left. And then, but there's also an outer right orbit, which I think is just set up to return to the uh, up the top lanes. Just to, it just doesn't look. There's no rail guide, so it just looks like it's the no, side, no, like you clunk right, into I, it and hop up there. And I I just think the rail guide's missing. That's my guess. Hopefully, that's my guess. Now, what I really want is for them to actually just glue a Funko Pop. For Deadpool <laughs> on there because it's going to be hot wheel, hot wheel syndrome all over again. People are going to complain yeah. about how Stern just went to Toys R Us while they were doing the fifty percent off sale. I don't know. A bunch of them. Funko Pops are incredibly popular, and I'm not saying anything bad about Funko Pops because I've got a ton of Funko Pops. But some people could get real into that Funko thing. Not in pinball. This is not some lowbrow collector <laughs> thing. These people are. They will spend $400 to put some powder coat on stuff when they could have just gone to the local shop and done it for $55. That's, that's the sort of community we're dealing with here. Yeah. And I think it's a, a powder coated Deadpool. Yes. <laughs> you need at least put some powder on him. You, you need I think it's just a placeholder. Him. I think it's a placeholder for an I interactive toy. I'm hoping. Yeah. That would be my assumption. I think it's a placeholder. I don't, I don't know yet whether the toy will be interactive as in the ball will actually hit it, or maybe it might just be something that moves around when targets are hit or something. You know, I, I don't know. You might see a Deadpool in a spring there. Yeah. Yeah. They probably have some leftover springs from those TIE fighters. That's right. So they could use that. But what I wanted to ask when you mentioned Iron Maiden and the, you noted that you thought one of the major elements as, out of a, a mix of factors that were appealing to people to want to buy it was Keith Elwin and it being his first design. Do you have a sense like what percentage of purchases are driven by the fact that it's Elwin's first game? Oh, that's a bold, that's a bold question. You're looking for a big answer there. Uh, no, oh, I do not. I love, I, I, oh, I'll I'd take a no small clue. answer. I'd have no clue, no clue, but I would say it's substantial uh, compared to other first time designers. Okay, so you think that's a bigger factor than, say, Scott Denisi being a first-time designer and the popularity of I think, I think of those total two are great examples. Oh, sorry. I think it's uh, both of those are great examples as two leading designers for the first pin that people really love. I think that uh, Scott's game, Elwin's game, and Lawler's game of Dialed In 
all three do have a commonality, two being a new designer, one being a very veteran designer, but they all had a long time to bake. The ideas were an incubation for a very long time, probably longer than necessary, honestly. But but it does make one wonder if maybe things have been a bit more rushed than they ideally would be. I don't know what the normal development cycle is on average for a Stern playfield based off of because when I look at Richie, I think they're giving him a year. Right. But then when I look mm-hmm. at Borg, I feel like they're not giving him a year. And when we go all the way back to what I always love to talk about, Premiere, where the average development cycle on a game was three months, and most people agree that was way too short. That's incredible. That is incredible. It, uh, it, the one interesting thing about it is, given how successful the company was, and it did make the pinball division of, of Gottlieb Premiere made money all the way to the end. They, they mm-hmm. failed for other reasons. That... Even with that parallel development, that three-month cycle, and then you look at how many people today, with all our advances in technology, how much easier it is to develop assets. We've got the CAD software to drop in your flippers and all the mechs and everything, and just how much failure there is. It's Mm -hmm. just sad. Yeah. It's just sad. There are pandas right now that look extra sad because (laughs) of this. Because they know. And we're going to talk about China and pinball when we get towards the end of the news segment. So that, that panda is what we we're, we're thinking of is it's just an accent, and we're gonna we're gonna see that play out at the end of the song. It's going mm. it's gonna be great. Everyone's it's gonna, gonna come. It. It's gonna make it, yeah. it's gonna come back. The but, themes are gonna replay. It's gonna be just it as is. wonderful. But before we go on to greatness, we have to go on to well. You might think this is good. You might think it's absurd. Chances are you think it's both, and that's supreme pinball, pretentious pinball. <laughs> So, those that might vaguely remember, we've mentioned this before, there's Pinball Machine. It is a designed to be a promotional piece for the Supreme brand, which I guess once upon a time was a skater brand and now is a, an expensive brand. I don't know. Uh, 200 games made by Stern. Uh, reports are in. The original sale price was roughly $10,000, which was a lot less than I think most people were projecting. Yeah. But those 200 games sold out in nine seconds. Jeez. And auctions are up with all of those games, 20,000 or more. So and I'm sure they're selling because at people the, are at the 20,000 to 30,000 range, I believe some sold. I have not heard anyone who asked for anything over 40 having a sale yet, but there are some that are up over 80. Last Jeez, I recall boy. looking on eBay. So still 20,000. You're doubling your investment. It's, we call I, it this, I, I'm not going to lie. Scalping. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I was I was trying my just to find one. <laughs> yeah, you that could have been a really good review for straight down the middle. Yeah, and then I, sell it. It 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 would have been a great review, but I wouldn't have opened it. I would have greedily <laughs> uh, just sold it. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Done, done a whole review, right? Ranked the whole just the sealed box as you walk around the box on the video, and <laughs> <laughs> that would have made for a good video. I like that idea. Now, Zach, have you played the Spider-Man Home Edition that the layout is from? You, you know what? I've not. I have not. No. Okay. I've I've only played a game or two on it. Uh, it's fine. I think it shoots fine. I don't have enough time to really this speak intelligently fine. on it. People uh, speak highly of the. I think there's like a captive ball mechanism that people like on that. Yeah, the overall layout, especially when you compare it to the other the pins, uh, or the other mm-hmm. the pin that I remember, because I think I've only other one I've played is Transformers. Uh, yeah, it just it just shoots better. It just it just mm-hmm. shoots a lot better. But obviously, a lot of people in the hobby only want what I call operator grade pins, so they kind of ignore those home units. But sometimes they show up to shows. So. Yeah. 
So do we, what, what are your thoughts, uh, Tony? What do you think of, is this good for the hobby? Uh, I'm it's assuming the scalping's Stern. not, but, well, it's yeah. good for Stern, and that's all this, that's all this was. It was just a, 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 a quick dime somebody picked up and went, Hey, we'll sell this and we'll make a ton of money. Um, this is no different than the Paps machine or the, any of the other, the Domino's machine. It's all the same general thing. Do you think it help, it's helpful to the hobby though? Because I don't the think video, it hurts the hobby. The Supreme video had like 2 million views. Right. Yeah. But I think that was because it was Supreme and how many Supreme people, people who are into Supreme stuff are going to go start playing pinball because they're like, Oh, hey. But if they if they yeah. have to own everything, then they have to yeah. buy this machine. They have to. My, ar- my argument is that uh, it is phenomenal for pinball. Uh, like you said, Dennis, getting that many views, uh, and who cares if it's Supreme people viewing it. If those Supreme people who have to have everything, like you said, this is a very collectible hobby. So if just one of them... Ten of them. Uh, pick up pinball now? What, what's, the, what's the loss here? I think it, I think it is great for pinball. Yeah, I think overall it's uh, – I'm going to fall in the middle. I think it's a positive, but I don't think it will be a significant positive. The viewership thing is the, is the best angle, but the uptake I think will be very, very small. Uh, but there is a chance, especially if this is on some location at – not all of these are being flipped. So some of them may have been picked up by Supreme Stores. We know of one that's on location in New York. There are people that are drawn to it because they know the brand and they get in a game. Perhaps a certain percentage of those will at the very least start to notice and play on location. That's where I'm hoping that that ends up going. It might drive on the collector side as well, but just because it's only 200 games, there's only so much interest that this can ultimately generate. It's not, it's a little too exclusive to get what I want, which is more growth than pinball. So, but I do think, I think it will have, if I it think, has any impact, it's positive. I think there's at least 200 pinball collectors out there chomping at the bits that would love to have this in their, you know, rare collection. Well, they didn't even make 200 dominoes. Where were they? Go get them dominoes. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot about well, that, the collectability of dominoes, the worst well, pizza the, of all time. But that's the thing. The hype was so, uh, sold a lot different on Domino's and different things <laughs> like that. Well, uh, call Charlie up and tell him to start supreming this. A supreme pizza. <laughs> Hold the mushroom. <laughs> I don't know. I think uh, I think people will want this. People, Don't you guys want to play? I sure as a- uh, I mean, since I've already played the Spider-Man, I, I can't say I'm particularly compelled to play it, but I, I definitely would if I saw it at a this show. This kind of makes me want to get a Spider-Man and just completely gut and repaint it so it looks <laughs> like this, but instead of white and red, have it be white and blue and just as pretentious down the thing instead <laughs> of... <laughs> uh, uh, it would sell. It would sell, Tony. <laughs> Not for twenty grand. He might get no, fifteen, no. but I mean, come on. <laughs> that color scheme is not going to be nearly as good. Well, of course not. This is I'm well trying brand to, I'm tested. trying to I'm trying to look for one for straight down the middle to review as we speak. Okay. Well, I wish you luck. Because I am not looking for one right now. <laughs> it's not on your shopping list. It's not. It's not it's not I haven't added the pen side wish list yet. I wouldn't avoid it if it showed up at a show or somewhere where I went to play. I'd still play it, but I'll play anything. I'm trashy that way. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only way we know what we like is if we try stuff. Well, let's move to the next news item. Uh, You know, this is a really stern-dominated news cycle. It is. 
uh, sometimes we have lots of bad news coming from <laughs> upstart boutiques. But <laughs> well, Jack, Jack hasn't done his cartwheel yet, so we're still waiting on that. Yeah, we yeah. are. Uh, I, I'm still monitoring the JJP Pirates thread. It's uh, you know they're still putting out gameplay footage and stuff. Here's something that they didn't put out any footage for because everyone already knows everything about this game, and that is the next Vault Edition from Stern Pinball is Star Trek. As of this month here, June 2018, the pros are back on the line, and the premium run is going to happen in July. They noted there are no changes. It is essentially an additional run on the the two two of the three, obviously, because the LEs are the LEs, and they're not making more of those. But two of the three coming back. The Star Trek, I believe, came out in 2013. And if I recall, they took it off the line early in 2017 was when they actually stopped production. So what what are you guys' thoughts on this uh, as a a VE or Vault Edition? Because one, the game is pretty new. And two... The other thing I've seen a lot of buzz about is all the other vaults have had some sort of physical changes to them. There were, there were certain, uh, upgrades, you could argue, or just substantive changes that they made to the construction on the Iron Man vaults. Obviously, the Spider Man vault had a completely different art and dot package. And then there were cosmetic changes and a fix for the lower play field on the ACDC vaults. So. Yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and start with you, Zach. What are, what are your thoughts? Uh, I think it's a bore fest. Uh, I I don't understand it from a collector point of view, but uh, you know it's a collector's point of view. It, I think Stern's doing this to make money. That's what Stern does best, and I've come to accept that. Uh, Stern Pinball wants to make collectors happy if they can, but number one is keeping those doors open. So uh, I think they're just trying to make some more money. I, I could care less about it. Star Trek is one of the greatest term pinball machines ever made. Um, so they'll sell, but it's, it's bringing nothing to collectors. Absolutely nothing for God's sakes. You could have reworked the art or rethemed it. I, what I have problems with guys is them calling these things vaults. Vaults should be special. They should be innovative. They should have taken what was old and make it what was new. And that's hard to do a year ago when they stopped making these machines. But there's so much that you can do with that license and that theme that for me as a collector, it just it just kind of rubs me the wrong way. But, you know, teach their own. I want Stern Pinball Machine. So if this is what it takes uh, for them to keep going, then I'm fine with it. But it's boring. Tony, what do you think? I'm not going to disagree. When I first read about a Star Trek Vault Edition, my, my mind instantly, before I got any farther in reading, so I got disappointed, my original thought was just like the major change to... Uh, Spider-Man is I kind of wanted to see this with uh, redone with an original series art package. Oh, that'd be uh, great. Wouldn't it? That would be just, that would be so perfect or, mm-hmm. or even, even not going even better and way beyond what I think they would have ever done, but it would have been an original series based art package, but all hand drawn art would have been oh, amazing. Gosh, yeah. I would have drooled over that machine, and that would have taken a machine that's one of my favorite modern Sterns and turned it into perhaps the perfect Stern. Uh, there's still a, there's still enough of the original cast out there that they could have gotten good callouts and uh, made those changes, and I think it would have been the perfect machine. And as is, it's it's another run, and I'm I'm not going to say I turn it down because, like you, I I really enjoy the game. I just I think they had a wonderful chance to turn out 
to vault it into something really amazing and it just didn't happen. Okay. Yeah, for, for me, there's there's two things that people don't like about Star Trek. One is the art, and two is the code. So the code people are, I think people are accepting of the code. Um, it is deep, if you will, and uh, it's deep, but it, it doesn't immerse you. Uh, now, what that art package would do, people don't like that art package. It's based on the more contemporary film series, so they're fine. Uh, the L is the, the art package to have and that's not available here so I'm with you uh, Tony make it that ori- I want Shatner I want I want those mm-hmm. guys in here and I know you can't get audio or, or voiceovers from them that's fine but darn it if there's two things that we don't like this pen is great just change the art change the art yeah. and charge us more money and we're fine with that but just do something different I would have spent it or if you want to get real crazy Change the art, make a couple changes to to the uh, uh, the vengeance toy, and make four versions. Make or heck, five versions. Make one for every single Star Trek. Oh wow! I mean, that would that, that's just stupid crazy, but that'd be fun. yeah. It's a I proven mean, machine. Yeah. Why not take what you, what you have in this proven machine, a Steve Ritchie design, arguably one of his best designed games of all time. And done something special. If you're going to do this, don't call it a vault to slap me in the face. Call it a re-release. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I guess for for me, uh, I, I was surprised. I was surprised for two reasons. One, I did not know, though I'm I'm sure Stern knows better from what they hear from their distributing network about this. But I did not assume that there was high demand still for Star Trek because it was run for a long time. Mm-hmm. I, I remember it's Star Trek was the one new inbox game I bought. I bought it at the end of 2015 because I assumed falsely, I assumed that the license <laughs> was only going to be good for two years. And because that seemed to be their normal cycle. And so I thought, okay, this is going to be off the line. Uh, so if I'm going to act, I should go ahead and get it now. If I'm going to get it new. And then they sold it all through 2016 as well. And then sometime in 2017, Maybe late 2016, but I think early 2017 was when the last of them went off the line. Distributors still had a few. Uh, we knew a, an area player who won a pinball machine. She wanted Star Trek. The The dealer who was doing the prize did still have them, at least pro models. So that is what it is. Yeah. All that said, Stern's never defined what vault edition means. So to me... That's I mean, true. You, you can go in and say what you want Vault to be, but they've never claimed that Vault Edition meant anything other than it's an old game that's being regurgitated in some capacity. When I look at, I don't know enough about Iron Man to be able to immediately, and some others I'm sure will will say, oh, it's so obvious, Dennis, but I wouldn't be able to tell you readily the difference between the Iron Man Vault Edition and the Iron Man Regular Edition. I don't. I don't know the fundamental differences. To me, it was just another run and they happened to have made changes to the cabinet design and stuff in the meantime, but it wasn't, I didn't imagine it was a selling point. Maybe in, on retrospect, perhaps it is, or perhaps the original, I think the vaults are more popular, but I'm not, I'm not certain of it. Yeah. Obviously ACDC, when they reinstituted that, all the art changes were just because things had changed with the band. It, it wasn't driven to make collectors happy. The one thing that they did, which was nice, was they fixed how horrible it is to try and maintain that lower play field because it was a big pain to take out. So they That's made right. it an easy, they made it a better mech. Yeah. Which is good. But Star Trek doesn't have a mech that isn't easy to access to my knowledge. So there's nothing to fix there. 
The only yeah, thing but, that uh, I, what? Go ahead. No, no. You you tell me what's broken. I would say I would argue about that. Uh, I would argue against that on Iron Man. Uh, what they did is they they took a game everyone loved and they fixed what wasn't working, i.e. Uh, the magnets. Uh, they made them larger so they weren't tearing up playfields, and they gave us a beautiful foil art package on the side. It's, it's just little things like that. So they kind of set the precedent whenever they started and said, that, "Here's a vault, uh, Iron Man." They they did stuff to make it better, and they put uh, what do they put the I think on the DMD? It was a graphic uh, on the DMD as well, uh, the speaker box. Uh, anyway. So they did that, and then they come out and they spoil us with Spider-Man Vault, and they change the entire thing. So whenever you start like that and you call things Vault and you're changing things, it just doesn't feel as good saying in the very first sentence, nothing changed, it's the same thing, it's a Vault. That's, that's why I think there is a little something more to calling something Vault. That's where I'm coming from. I, I can see it. I can see the, I see the angle. Uh, I don't really disagree either. It's just... Eh, there's never been, to me, there's never been consistency from vault to vault. Spider-Man is a dramatic reworking. And mm-hmm. I think it was entirely driven from the fact that no one remembers the Tobey Maguire movies. That was no, it didn't make any sense to try and go get that movie license from Sony that late in the game. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, the numbers may have been bad enough that Stern decided that was not worth the money that it costs to get to re-up and redo the art, do the whole, they had to change the dots yeah. to make yeah, it consistent. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's a great looking game. I, I agree that it's an improvement on what came out originally, but all that said, they've never for any other vault gone to that extreme. And I don't expect them to ever to again, uh, you know, all the Tron fans aside who want 82 Tron. I just don't think they're going to do it, but I think they're going to re-release Tron. I just don't know if they're going to go to the trouble of changing up all that stuff. Maybe if they only sell them at premiums. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I would like it. I, I mean, that's, and that's really why this is in here is that's the question everyone's going on about is, well, where's Tron? Mm-hmm. Why didn't we get where's Tron? Lord of the Rings? Well, now here's the thing. If we're going to go off of what Stern's done with vaults, they have never vaulted outside of the Stan, Sam board set. They've never that's gone right. back to White Star. But can so, they not do that? Is that not possible? I would assume it's it's possible. I wondered if there are engineering reasons why they don't want to, though. Like, they're maintaining SAM boards because there's so many SAM. I mean, they're still probably building certain SAM games, vaults aside. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to remember when the transition was. What was the last SAM game? Walking Dead, maybe? I'm not sure. WWE, WrestleMania might be the first spike. I'm not positive. Yeah, that is a spike. Yeah, I think it was the first just no one remembers it. Uh, but, but, I mean, ACDC Sam, Spider-Man Sam, Star Trek Sam. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I would like to see them redo Lord of the Rings. I would think Tron would make more sense because I think there's more demand for Tron. They did do reruns on Lord of the Rings. I mean, there, there they did. I guess they just called it a rerun rather, I think in 2009. So. Mm-hmm. From their standpoint, they already tried to satisfy that. Now, is there still demand? Yeah, I would say Absolutely, so. yeah. But, you know, I don't know if there's a challenge with, and that's often been, everyone's like, well, what's the deal with Tron? Is it the challenge working with the movie license when the movie's that old? Does Disney not want to do anything with Tron? I, I would think if you offer them money, they wouldn't really care. But, right. But I don't, I don't. But I mean, I, I was disappointed in part because I already have a Star Trek, so I don't need to see the vault. <laughs> I wasn't really disappointed with the nature of the announcement. I agree, though. It's just a 
It's a money thing. I, here's an interesting theory that I wanted to see what you guys think. I saw someone, I don't recall who, who speculated that perhaps the issue here was there's some demand for Star Trek. They just have a little hole in the line because Iron Maiden's doing so well. They just need to keep things just busy enough that their workforce is working. Tron would be too big of a run. They need something that they can just do pros in June, premiums in July. That's it. And then shift to new. And shift to Deadpool. That makes sense. That does make sense. So that they deliberately chose doing this with no work whatsoever because it was an easy license to re-up. They've had the relationship with whatever they did to get the Star Trek license went really well in Stern's favor. All those call outs that are in it come straight from the movie. But Mm -hmm. there's no there's no background noise. The audio was recorded as a separate track. Mm -hmm. That's why it's so clean. Mm-hmm. So they have they have all that. The license went for more than the two years. It just seems like they got to do whatever they wanted with it. So that, that does make good uh, logical sense. So I thought it was an interesting theory. Uh, so I wanted to I wanted to present it as an idea that maybe this was just done. Yeah, from a technical standpoint, I I could get behind the argument of yeah, let's not call it a vault. Let's just call it a re-release. But since the license probably needed to be re-upped. To them, it's not just running more of the unit. It, it, they had to do something special to get the right to do it again. So that's why they but, call it a vault. But I don't like your logic. I want to keep my anger. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I'm, I feel sorry for the poor Trekkie fans out there. This is just even further from a new original Trek game. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, oh gosh, I don't know what – I mean – what would you would you go? Do we do the nostalgia thing and do original series? If we do another Absolutely. Star Trek, why not? I would I would yeah. be fine with that. Well, because the the license holder would probably say we want you to do Discovery. It's the one we're actually airing. I uh, well, nobody's going to buy Black that. Alert. <laughs> yeah. Black Alert. It's a good show. I Black mean, I'd, I'd even be happy with 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 uh, TNG or DS Nine. I'd be happy with Enterprise because I liked Enterprise. You'd be happy with Voyager. Yeah. Well, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's not get crazy. Yeah, maybe we re- retheme a Gottlieb. We can make it be the voice. Yeah, that, 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 that yeah. makes sense. Okay. I mean, I, I but mean yeah. Not to, not to go down another tangent on this vault thing, but if they try to do Tron like this, you know how much kickback it's going to be if they say, here's your Tron vault and there's not one change in this thing? People are going to go ape. I mean, they're going to go crazy. Yeah, I... I guess so. I, I don't know. I, I I think you're I think you're right. I think there will be a lot of people who are upset if they change absolutely nothing. But I think the main thing with Tron is is I, I think they'll do something. I think Stern will. Even the art package doesn't change. If they end up coming out with a premium mod that's and some people are probably afraid of that. Yeah. That they'll do a premium run that will be well, it's not an LE. We're gonna go ahead and do some premiums. People just like the Tron I like Tron okay. I don't love Tron. I like Iron Man better. In terms, of, in terms of a brutal Borg design, I would rather play Iron Man than Tron. Oh, come Collectors on. like Tron because it blings so pretty. It is pretty. But you see, you get this whole weird mix because you got a lot of people who are like, well, we want 82 Tron. Well, do you want to change the dots to match it? Are you going to give up the whole Daft Punk soundtrack, which is half the game? Because you have to if you go 82. Unless you I don't do want what 82 I would do Tron. And just blend it. Just give it 82 art and keep the dots from the new movie and say, yeah. you just get what you get and like <laughs> it. I can see just, just, and just changing once again to the ever popular, just change the art package, just go to hand drawn. Sure. 
if the if the licensor will allow it. But yeah. since it's a Disney property, sometimes they get. I mean, Star Star Wars is hand drawn. Yeah, by their people. Yes, that's the rule. Yeah, that's their rule. Understandable. I understand that. This is their rule. Poor Steve Ritchie. He always gets the hardest licenses to work with. Except Star Trek. That's one. true. Yeah. Uh, last news item. Uh, it's not a stern one. It's HomePin. HomePin, which is making Thunderbirds Argo. It's the Chinese-based manufacturer, Australian-owned. They have a Facebook post that announced that their next pinball machine is going to target the Chinese market, of which there currently is none. Zach, what do you think of this as a strategy? I think as a population. Yeah, I mean, as a business, it's a smart, it's a smart idea. I get it. I just don't want to play it. I don't even know what it is, and I don't really want to play it. I don't. I don't particularly. What? What if it's like Tron? Well, it's not going to be Tron. Um, (laughs) I know it's not going to be Tron based on the first machine that they came out with, Thunderbirds. I mean, could you get a worse theme than Iron Maiden? Yeah, you could. It's called Thunderbirds. Nobody cares about that machine. It's orange DMD. It's 20 years, you know, old technology. People want new stuff and they want good themes. And if you don't have a good theme, at least have a good original theme. Uh, that on top of all the other controversy behind that, this is something that I frankly could care less about. But I think it's a smart business move on Mike's part to try to sell to a demographic that actually may care. Tony, what do you think? I think. Like he does. It's, it, it's an obvious attempt to sell. The question is, what are they going to do for a theme? And with certain themes, um, I could see where it would still have a, uh, interest in the West. I mean, if, it, if it's, um, from some of the classic, uh, stories like Journey to the West or something like that, that's good. That's a well known story that is seen you know, multiple movies, multiple games. Uh, it, it's the basis for tons of stuff. It could be, as long as the game's halfway decent, popular even in the West, which I think would be a great move for them. If they could open a new market and have something that would sell in the old market, it, business-wise, it'd be wonderful. On the other hand, I mean, it's Thunderbirds, or it's from the maker of Thunderbirds or Go. I mean, it's not exactly like they're breaking the world as is. Yeah, uh, I disagree. I think this is not a good strategy. I think that the strategy should be, given that this is an upstart on the pinball manufacturing side, that he, I think Mike has to target the American market. It's just where all the sales are at. He needs to target the American market with a license they care about. Growing the Chinese market is growing Chinese demand in pinball. I think that's more than just a theme. I think that's an exposure issue. And he's in the best position to do that because he's actually building there. But... I think the theme is a really small thing. It's go- it's going to be a big jump from getting the getting the Chinese population to go. Oh, this is pinball and this is fun. To oh, this is pinball. This is fun. This is a collector's item, and I should start collecting these things now. It's mm-hmm. there's just there's none of that history there. America has all of that stuff that he chose a theme which I agree with Zach was truly terrible from an American perspective. Truly terrible. That, that was what, that was the biggest mistake that I felt he made. He had his reasons for doing it. I understand that. I think for game number two, he should be going, no, I need to up my sales. And the easiest way to do that is to sell to America. He's got one advantage over any other manufacturer. And that is it ended up being even to the U.S. with shipping. These are cheaper than Stern Pros. Now mm-hmm. you can look at them and go, well, you see why. 
regardless, they are quote unquote commercial grade. They are full pinball machines and they are several hundred dollars less. They're about 5,000 versus 5,400. And he's got a lot of stuff in that machine. Like I'm not going to even downplay that. He's he's got some toys and some mechanisms, and there's a he's got some stuff in there. there. Yeah, that's right. So, so Dennis, you Dennis, you wouldn't buy a Hello Kitty pinball machine, I take it. Depends on what the layout is and what the rules <laughs> are. It's never it's never about toys. Uh, t- toys are for people who don't know how to play. That's me. <laughs> That is it's me. Just what it, it's just what it is. What it is. And sometimes there are people who really love toy-driven games who are good players. For example, let's do some call-outs here. <laughs> Jeff from the Pinball Podcast. His favorite game of all time is Twilight Zone. Now, normally, when I hear someone say that their favorite game is Twilight Zone, my first thought is, oh, you don't know how to play pinball. That's why you like it. Because it's got a bunch of crap on it. And it distracts <laughs> I love Twilight you. Zone. Twilight Zone shoots not so great. It's not a bad game. It's just not a great game. It's one of Pat Lawler's better games, but he's also not one of the better designers. So you just got to factor all this in. You just got to factor. This is my, my personal opinion. Dialed in is Pat Lawler's masterpiece. If everything were that good, he'd be in my top five, but it's not. It's mostly roadshow. So you take what you. Roadshow. You, you like Roadshow too? I like too? Roadshow yeah, sure. also. I, I yeah, play, absolutely. but you see, these are just my my interpretations, which are not always, unfortunately, though they should be, accurate. <laughs> I know other tournament players who love Pat Lawler designs. I think they're clunky. But other people really like the, that stop and go kind of point and shoot style that his format orients around. Whereas I am more of a flow ball. As I think I even heard Steve Ritchie once say, that he regrets doing so many flow-based games because now so many people, and I would be one of them, want flow ball all the time. We don't want the ball to stop ever. Just like that ball. I'm playing pinball, not pin wild under glass. But that's I, I think, me. yeah, I think it's opinion. It's just a wrong one. Uh, pinball, <laughs> pinball is about art. Pinball is about seeing what the silver ball can do with magnets, with mechanisms. Uh, pinball doesn't always have to be ramps to orbits all day long. Sometimes I'm turned off by, oh my God, this ball is lasting so long because I keep hitting shots and I'm not a great player. I'm not saying that, but just the fact that just shooting a ball around is what defines pinball, I think is asinine actually. Hmm. Well, it was an interesting perspective. You have some good points, uh, like long playing games. I think there's a balance. There is an immersion factor that that is necessary, but there are just certain elements that can get you into that get you into the in the mindset that you're playing a game because that's what it is you're playing a game that's what these were always built for they were not built to be art pieces now maybe people think they are now but that was never the point the art was only ever to catch your eye to drop that first quarter that's all the way back to the em era that was only the point but you're and that is at- not fine art most of that art compared to fine art is pretty poor yeah pretty poor quality but this is in the same thing. It's just two different styles of play. You're still playing a game. I mean, do you right. only play first-person shooters or do you only play 4X games? Do you only play RPGs or do you like to change it up and play something different now and then? That's a completely good point. But you know very well, Tony, that the 4X game player is more intelligent. 
<laughs> that's a very good attempt to shift away from my what we're going flaw- for. My shifts are flawless. <laughs> I think I think we I don't know what we've agreed on, but it seems that I won was what the point was. <laughs> I think it's I, always a, it's always I a feel, nice balance. I feel, I feel good about this. I think we, I think we've accomplished a lot here. I think psychologically, I'm in a good place. And so <laughs> we're just going to go ahead and leave it there and we're going to walk away while I still think that I'm right and everybody else is wrong. Sure, sure. Well, it's just, I don't, li- I don't like all the games to be the same. That's yeah. why I don't have an entire lineup of six Steve Ritchie games. Too, too mm-hmm. same. Yeah. If I have to pick one, one favorite, he gets to be my number one, but I wouldn't want them all to be the same. I do want there to be mechanisms that are interactive and give you enjoyment with the ball. Some of the stuff I think is more fluff that I think it's style over substance. And that's Mm -hmm. where Zach mentioned things with the manipulation of the silver ball. That is important to me. A smog head that doesn't interact with the ball is not important to me. Absolutely. It brings you into the story of the game. You're playing this journey through Mordor or whatever it is. And just like a film, just like a, a piece of music, you're wanting to feel what that experience is. And just by shooting clean shots isn't going to do it for you, Dennis. You have to smile, turning his head, looking at you and blowing fire through that play field. That's whenever you feel invigorated. That's when you want to shoot and you want to complete the tasks and the goals. Hitting five times jackpot bonus and no smog does little to nothing for me. I can see that. For me, though, if you have a, the sound package integrated and the rules integrated, when you accomplish that orbit shot, it can make you feel that you've done something. I don't need to be in the movie. But I, I expressed many episodes ago, I don't live in the world. Undergo. I don't feel like I'm the pinball. I've never felt that way. So is there, do you have no difference in feel between playing a whitewood of a machine and playing the actual production version of a machine? I feel a difference, but I have played whitewoods that I would own. That's true. I've played whitewoods that I would own too. When I played Total Nuclear Annihilation, all I saw was a Sharpie on the play field. But the sound immersion and the rules immersion was enough for me that I would have been happy to own that. Yeah. I understand. Now, was that, it better when, is... was it better when they had assets in? Sure. But what does total nuclear annihilation lack? Toys. It doesn't have toys. It's got an inline drop target lock system. You can classify that as a toy if you want, but it's not an immersion toy. That's a, that's a functional multi-ball lock toy that doesn't look like anything having to do with anything nuclear. Right. But at the same time, you're looking at a machine that is an original theme. Uh, how would you like shooting Star Trek if you removed vengeance and you removed, and you removed everything off of it and it was just, it was just ramps and orbits and this and that? If yeah, the layout's the same, I would still like shooting it the same amount. It is better yeah. to have the, it is better to have the vengeance though. I would argue it's to have that. I think you're proving my point perfectly with TNA itself, Dennis. And this is a bold statement, but I think over 50% of what people like about TNA, they're not going to tell you this. Uh, it's <gasps> not the, it's not the shooting. It is, like you said, the world under glass, the immersion of the music and of that light show. That's why people love that game. It's a kickback. It's a throwback to the eighties of when they were younger. So all of the intangibles, um, which refutes all of your points about shooting. I think those are more important than his basic street level layout. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I agree with you that some people, I think you're right that some people are choosing gravitating towards total nuclear annihilation for the reasons you've mentioned. But I also think there's another class of population that's gravitated towards it because of the brutality of the gameplay and how the rules are integrated. And that 
Everything else is just gravy. Is but it better the rules to have mashed itself- potatoes with gravy? Yes, it is. I won't, I'm yeah, not going to the- say don't ta- put gravy on my taters, <laughs> but I'll still eat taters. But the Makes rules sense? aren't what's selling that game. The rules are pretty basic. And where did you derive that statistic from that the rules aren't selling that game? All the tournament player talk is about the brutality of that game. And it's all about the rules, not about, oh, well, I really like Reactor 5 sound. It's brutal, but uh, essentially it's the same linear code done nine times uh, through a reactor. And we've seen that for 20 plus years. Sure. Well, there's nothing... Nothing drawing me back to that. I don't, I don't think that that's what it is. I think you're on point when you talk about the brutality of the game. That's why people like Iron Man so much, uh, is that it is challenging. It is brutal. But what the cherry on the top, why people keep coming back to it, is they feel immersed with that music. That's all people talk about. Oh, listen, to the, listen to the beat drop whenever you plunge that ball. Or l- look at the lighting effects, the lighting show. That's what it's all about. I think it is. You're right, though. At the end of the day, we're both right. It's a fine balance in between the both. And then when you nail both of those aspects, both the player aspect and the collector bling experience world under glass, I think that's why you have hits like TNA and Iron Maiden. Hmm. Well, okay. That's probably enough drama for now. (laughs) Sorry. No, no. That's why we had you on, because (laughs) you disagree with me. That's the whole point. Now that your rage is worked up into a froth. We're gonna, I'm we're gonna ready, move. baby. Yeah, that's right. We're out of news now. We're going to move on to a, a tournament that is all about hate. Not my hate. Tony's hate. My <laughs> hate. Tony, will you take us into the final matchup here for the worst of the fall? The worst pinball machine of 1994 to 1999. I love this, by the way. I just freaking love this. You know, because- after your last <clears throat> attack on my philosophy, I knew you would. Hatred is strong. Oh. You must let the hate flow through you. <laughs> All right, we're coming through a round five results are not too surprising. Uh, Shack Attack uh, beat Popeye Saves the Earth. Uh, it was 69.6%, which is uh, not really surprising at all. I figured it would be a high win over Popeye because Popeye still has... No, I can't really say Popeye has a redeeming feature. We're at the point where none of these games have anything that could even be vaguely considered a redeeming feature. Well, well, now, to Zach's point from our last discussion in the news section, Popeye does really have a look of an arc. It really tried to make you feel like you were on a boat. Popeye's a great game. One of my favorites. <laughs> and the show's over. Thanks, everybody. See ya. No. <laughs> I know a few. That's an, know, that's an absolute people awesome. People love Popeye. Yeah, it's an absolute awesome uh, wide body Bally Williams. Uh, there's there's a lot not to like. I'll, I'll give you that. But the hatred that that pin gets is absolutely ridiculous. It mm. is funny to me how many people we've heard who really do like Popeye for it to still be in this grouping as far down as it has, as it made it. Well, it just shows that there's a wide range of, of what, in terms of not just uh, theme or design in the sense of, of toys and mechanisms, but also flow and rules and shot layout uh, mm-hmm. that there is in the hobby. Because, yeah, there are aspects of Popeye that I think are okay. There are aspects that I really, really dislike. And then there's how it was developed and what it did. Popeye's a weird example because it... Unfortunately, it checks a lot of really bad boxes for me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'm not surprised that Shack Attack was seen as a worse game. Than yeah. It. Uh, I mean, Popeye is, it's playable. I don't, I don't walk away from Popeye going like how I felt when I walked away from barbed wire. Or you felt like you'd been violated. Right. But <laughs> because, yes, but 
<laughs> well, but Popeye is a wide body and I have so much trouble liking wide bodies and it doesn't do anything to help like Pirates of the Caribbean, Jersey Jack's one. It does things that make me like it despite it being a wide body. Popeye doesn't execute that for me, for me. But I know some people, very good players, uh, competitive players who like Popeye. And there are Mo- people who like wide bodies. But there are. But well, most competitive bodies, players yeah. I know do not like Popeye. And I understand why after playing it several times. Yeah. So it is what it is. What's the next? What was the next one? The next one was uh, Lost in Space and Viper Night Driving. Oh, of which those are both turds. I know. But Viper Night Driving won. It was pretty close, though. It was mm. it was only by fifty four percent. So it was a tight fight between yeah. those two. They're you, both terrible. You and Bruce both voted Lost in Space. If I remember I did. from the last episode, and I did vote Viper. It, it was very close for me. Um, I, it, it was a debate. It was a fight for which one I thought was worse because they're both words I can't say on this thing. Games. Yeah. <laughs> now, do you like do you like either of those games, Zach? I, I'd have to I'd have to walk on this because I don't I've not played neither one of those. Okay, you're not missing any. Yeah, I don't you're, I don't see them around too fine. much. Uh, if, if you would like to know what it's like to play them, go get a hammer and hit yourself a couple of times, <laughs> and you'll feel about the same as you do after playing the games. <laughs> so our final round, the, the the final decision to figure out which game was the worst game of the end of the '90s, which game was the game that just ruined everything for us is going to be between Shaq and Viper Night Driving. Hmm. Okay. Have you played Shaq Attack, Zach? Uh, I've played that a couple times, but I've not played uh, Viper. Yeah, I haven't played Shaq. I've, I've watched footage. I've watched some gameplay footage of it to acquaint myself with it. It's kind of funny. One of our area players back on round one predicted that Shaq Attack might win this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, I will vote Viper on this. Because I despise Viper Night Driving. Which is funny because it actually doesn't have a horrendous layout. It's, it's, it's funny because it's really just a fan layout. And how do you mess that up? But somehow they did. Uh, Shack Attack has some interesting cleverness to its rules with some hidden feature stuff that you activate. And so it's got, it's got more to it than you might think. The reason why I have to hesitate is Shack Attack is definitely clunkier than Viper. And I hate clunk too. So. Yeah, but uh, Viper, that, I've just been snake bit by that thing so many times uh, that personal biases are pushing me over on that one, and I'm going to be voting Viper. I'm going the same way for pretty much the same reasons. I've only having watched videos of Shack Attack. I don't really have enough. I mean, I know it looks terrible, and it looks like a game that I have no desire to ever play. But at the same time, Viper Night Driving is one of those games that it's just like, why? Why did I draw this game in tournament play again? Why is this game in a tournament? It's, Who hates you so much? Who hurt you? Who hurt you so you <laughs> made this game? <laughs> uh, well, uh, link in the show notes, people, to go and vote. And then on the next episode... The E3 episode will go ahead and get the uh, winner announced or loser, however you want to look at it. Uh, but that is that. So we're going to move on. And Zach, we want to learn more about you. We want to learn about you as a collector. So, mm-hmm. and that's something we've, as we've had uh, several collectors on now, and every single one has had a very different approach in terms of how they've developed collecting and how they actively go about participating in the hobby of pinball collection. 
And you are probably more unique than even those unique examples that we've had. Uh, because <laughs> it seems to me that you possess relatively low volume, but you make up for that with what I consider a very rapid turnover. Would you agree with that assessment? Yes, very much so. Uh, so me as a collector, I, number one, I want everything. I want new things. I want shiny things. I want old. I want things that I haven't experienced before. Now, given that that's my desire, I cannot own everything. Uh, I have four beautiful children and a, a wonderful wife, uh, so they're really expensive. So I'm not a rich man. So the only thing that I get my what I want um, is to buy something, play it for a while like a video game, and then sell it. The nice thing about pinball is that they're kind of financially a low risk. You can buy one, and if you purchase one correctly – um, and work out a deal enough, then you will not lose any money or you might make $100 or so whenever you move on to your next really expensive pinball machine. So for me, I get tired of things. Um, I love The Hobbit. I get tired of it. I love uh, any pinball machine you name. There's no keepers to me. Nothing is ever special enough to be a keeper or hasn't been yet. Uh, so that's kind of how I, I move things. And I move things for our show. We need content. We need reviews. I don't have – there's one location here locally, but it's Gottlieb stuff, and I, I'd just rather not. So I don't uh, – I, I move pins. Sometimes I've owned a pin for two days, and then I'll get rid of it. I, I have no ties to anything like that, which is odd. A lot of people aren't like that. Sure. It's it's very different, though. As you've noted just now, your your motivations are, are, are a mix. You don't have a lot of location play, so that poses challenges for you to be able to play games that you don't own. Obviously, you're doing uh, straight down the middle, and for review purposes, there's value in having access to a game. Otherwise, it becomes mm -hmm. difficult to actually review it. What would you say is uh, the average time that you typically keep a game? Obviously, uh, just a couple of days, I'm assuming, is a very low, atypical exception. Yeah. I mean, uh, for the most part, honestly, this is sad, and this is... Uh... This is this is rough, but maybe a month, if that, three weeks, maybe. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So, how many miles have you put on vehicles driving around to pick up machines? A lot, a lot, uh, Tony. <laughs> I have. But here's the other thing, and this is very hokey and, and corny and stuff. But bear with me. This is somewhat of my personality. But I get to freaking meet pinball people. Like these machines, people will drive a long way. To come to my house to pick up these machines, or I will drive up like uh, tonight. I'm driving up to my buddy in Bloomington. Um, he's got a pinball machine that, and here's the other thing, side note. I'm an opportunist. I will not turn down a deal. So if I have a buddy that calls me because he's got too much money, and he says, I'd rather you come into my house, and I'd sell you a machine, and you make $100 off of it. If I can go hang out with my buddy, play some pinball, bring back a game that I get to play for a week, and then sell it. I'm never, I'm never going to turn down that opportunity. I freaking love pinball people and I love meeting new people. So it, there's no downside to it to me besides, like you said, Tony, the mileage I put on my car. But. <laughs> well, you obviously did not meet us long enough at TPF to change your philosophy, but I'm sure we can, we can make an exception eventually. <laughs> okay. So. Uh, I think this will be a good good uh, way to sort of segue this into the, your reviewing process that you and your uh, your co-host 
uh, Greg do on Straight Down the Middle. So w- what goes into doing a pinball review? You've, you've got this game. You got let's let's do Iron Maiden because I think that's the most recent one you did. So mm-hmm. you got it. So what do you guys? What's the process? What do you go through? I mean, I, I obviously the categories and such, but I mean just. What what'd you do to decide the categories? What'd you do to decide how you're going to weight the categories? Why you went with yeah. the letter grades? T- tell us everything. Okay, so for, for us, whenever we started the show up, we thought, what do people care about? Uh, and we don't have a marketing firm to do uh, focus groups on what people care about in pinball media. So we just very lazy uh, lazy manner went to what we enjoy. And from you know an early age, I always loved product reviews. Anything that reviews products, consumer reports, uh, video game reviews. I love hearing what other people think about things. Uh, I do that every year. I do uh, top 10 films that I love. Um, I research everything. Uh, I don't know if you guys are like that, but anything that I get into, I get way, way, way too into. So I want to know everything about it. So I pitched to Greg because Greg's pretty relaxed. He don't care about much. I said, dude, why don't we do uh, pinball reviews? Nobody's really giving grades to pinball machines and we knew the buffalo guys were up there doing that but uh theirs was more a we'll talk about everything and then we'll we'll throw a you know out of one out of ten or ten out of ten on it but we wanted to really look into every aspect of what makes an overall good review and those are things like art that plays a factor shots and layout of course plays a factor rules plays a factor toys and innovations always important music and call outs theme uh now lcd integration that people uh that manufacturers are putting into their machines so we wanted to give the viewer something that we cared about and we thought other people uh, cared about as well and because of the feedback they do is we rate each and every category of what makes a pinball machine in totality what makes it great or what makes it poor um so we wanted to do that. It, it's been working out fairly well for us. I get some kickback on some of the strong takes I have, but it is a really hard process. We try to play as much as we can out of a game. Uh, we tell ourselves at minimum we need to play 50 to 75 games to have a a coherent, clear um, opinion on a game. So that's kind of the process. Greg doesn't get new machines, but he's got Louisville. He can go on location to play the heck out of machines. I don't have location pinball, so I just buy the heck out of machines and play every single night 20 to 30 games. So that's kind of the process we take. Okay. Uh, what do you do in the in the case of code updates, especially if you've done a review and there's been a significant one? Because that's become more and more of an issue with modern pins. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So what we do is uh, we put it back on the manufacturers. If you don't want a game reviewed with your uh, beta code, don't release a game with beta code. Uh, Stern, unfortunately, we've had to go back. We do last year we did, or this, we reviewed last year's reviews again to compensate for that, those code updates. But initially if we review, we like to review the new games and if they come out, the code that they come out with, we're going to review it. If it's good enough for you to charge five to $10,000 to individuals to buy, then it's good enough for us to review. Okay. Makes sense to me. Yeah, I, I did hear that uh, that episode where you went back and and did your your touch ups, as I'll call them, yeah, as if, as yeah. if it were mere paint. <laughs> and uh, yes, we also we never research anything on this show. And uh, yeah. what was my second point? Oh yeah, all, I don't need you to tell me that my questions are good. All my questions are good. <laughs> <laughs> so, but but thank you anyway. 
So, so what do you do you guys like do you guys like pinball machine reviews? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I like reviews of anything. I uh uh Dennis is the one who does all the deep diving into pinball machines and pinball related stuff, but I'm I'm like you when I get start to get interested in a hobby, I go crazy deep into something or even not even necessarily a hobby, just interested in something. I go crazy crazy deep into it. I've got whole things where I've put together plans for what I'm going to do when I get to a point mm-hmm. where I can actually, you know, start doing something and it's like, well, okay, so here's my first goal. First goal is I need to lose 150 pounds. Okay. Then I need to find $15,000. Okay. We'll start on goal one. We'll worry about goal two later. So, I mean, it's just one of those things that I think with the right re with the right things, anybody will go into the deep research mode for stuff. Yeah, I've met some that probably aren't capable, but, but a lot of people who, can think well. So there's that. So there's <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, I, what I, always, I like about, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I like ranking things as well. Like I just love the objectivity of ranking things oh, yeah. uh, and basing it on some, some type of quantitative data, some numbers or grades like we do just comparisons. I just, I don't know. There's something about me that I just love that. In some ways I actually think ranking is more helpful. Uh, at least from a personal perspective yeah. versus doing like, well, like Pennside where you go in and you do all these ratings and you're, mm-hmm. you get a, you get to weight them the way you want to. And, and I like all that. But the thing is, there's nothing quite like ranking where you're actually just telling yourself and Tony and I will do this yeah. all the time on movies in particular, where it'd be like, mm-hmm. no, we're going to take all these Star Wars movies. And I don't care that you think that Empire and New Hope are both great. I want to know which one is better. Empire. Because mm-hmm. yeah, we can we can always weigh on later on saying, well, here's where the ranking is, and then here are the ones that I actually think are not even worth watching sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but yeah. Yeah, no, the, exactly. We do the stuff like that all the time. Sure. And I mean, I've done that with all sorts of things. I will say objectively, if anybody thinks that anything's better, any Star Wars movie is better than Empire, they're just objectively wrong. But <laughs> I would I would lean to agree with you, but you know some people, some are, people are feeling very strongly about some of the newer stuff, and that is really I wouldn't really argue great. against that. No, <laughs> no, I I yeah I don't I don't associate with anyone who does, but but it's po- most I, of the I people who do are young. Yes, well, yes, yes, that's true. That's very true. That's a good. You point. got hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. You guys don't like the new Star Wars films. No, 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 like, no, I like no, no, fine, I like but I wouldn't rank them above Empire. Right. Oh, right. Like, no, yeah, yeah. you're gonna do that. Come on. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm not, I, I'm not, I don't hate the new films and uh, I'll be out there. I, I even, I didn't hate The Last Jedi, even though apparently it's really popular to hate that movie. Hmm. But I thought it was fun. Yeah. I, I love that too. thing. I had I, a blast. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, it was a lot of fun and it's gotten so much more fun since I've started taking my, my daughter to them because she loves them. We just went and saw Solo last week and she was in seventh heaven. But yeah, no, it's just, Ranking stuff. That's so cool. Yeah. It's good. Now, one of the things I, I was going to note that I really like about how you and Greg do your reviews is you give the letter grades to the categories because mm-hmm. the cumulative doesn't, it doesn't really mean anything to me because you're weighting all the categories right. e- equitably. So what I like is I can look at each of your categories and go, well, mm-hmm. For my purposes, I don't, I don't care as much about art. I don't care as much about toys. I don't care as much about theme, but I care very much about enjoyability and rules and shots. So I look at and weight the ones that I care about the most to go, okay, well, 
And once I, once I've seen the, some of the games you guys have ranked, I can start to see where I agree or disagree with however you guys like to do your enjoyability is very subjective. So sometimes like Don, former host of the, of the pinball podcast and link cable podcast, he and I like very different pinball machines. Like he loves Judge Dredd and he likes Roller Coaster Tycoon. These are just games. I'm just like, Oh, come on, Don, come on. (laughs) But, But. because of that, there are certain elements that I've also learned that he really appreciates that I like as well. So if I know what he's evaluating on, I can go, okay, that's the part I'm going to listen to. And here are the mm-hmm. other parts that I don't, I just don't think that that way. So I just, yeah. I don't see, I don't see it the same. What he sees in it as an advantage, I see as a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I know uh, from the very beginning, I told Craig, I said, look, buddy, this, this, system is going to be flawed. It's made to be flawed. It always will be flawed. It will not be objective because what I think good reviews do is they combine a bit of objectivity with a bit of subjectivity. That technical aspect versus that subjective emotional experience. For me, like film reviews, I always look at the individuals I agree with. I read their film reviews and the individuals that I strongly disagree with mostly to see if the juxtaposition is there as well. So we know it's a flawed system, but what we wanted to do is categorize it so that people, like you said, Dennis can go back and say, you know what? I could care less about art rules and shots. Layout is crucial to me. And like, for example, my recent review of iron maiden, they were both AA pluses. So if somebody cares about that, they can say, Hey, Zach thinks this is one of the greatest games there is regarding shots and layout and rules and code. And the other reason is we're drafting and working on a system. Um, and we haven't spoken about this yet publicly, but we're working on a system that will put this all into a web format so that people can do some check boxes and see what they care about, what they don't care about. And we're also going to try to include our viewers, uh, into this mix in a very special way so that they can, um, interact with us and give their own rankings and reviews of games. And it will be a big, large collaborative effort so that people can look at pinball machine reviews. Whoa, that's quite elaborate. I thought I was being fancy letting people vote in a Google form. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're still working on it. It's, still, sure. it's, anything, it's, it's anything a big goal wor- for us. Anything worthy in pinball takes forever. That's just how, that's that's right. just how the hobby is. So, right. well, so let's have some fun with this then. So, Okay. As and for listeners, Zach isn't being blindsided. He knows he knew we were going to do this. So we're going to do a pinball review. Because here's the thing: this was this is the concerning thing that I have. I went through. I had to as part of my uh, plot podcast of bloodbath <laughs> research, as you you may know. <laughs> yes, uh, I did. I had to. I had to find flaws. I had to find things to attack. And Absolutely. one of the things, and I believe this is still true, even with Iron Maiden, is. You, Zach, have never had a cumulative score under a C for any game that you've done on the show. Correct. Greg's even worse than me. But and yeah. Greg has never had anything under a B. <laughs> he's got, yeah, he's got everything so, B. He's just, he likes everything. Yes. So he likes everything, or we've got some serious grade inflation going on. Everyone's getting their diploma. <laughs> Everyone gets their participation <laughs> sticker. You'll, you'll, maybe, maybe at some point we can, we'll bring him on and we'll judge him then. Because he's not here yeah, to defend I, himself. It's indefensible, but he's not here. So that that so. movement happened way bef- uh, way after our time. It's straight down the middle. Losers deserve nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to do what, what I'm going to call straight down the left out lane pinball. Oh, I like it. I like oh, thank it. Thank you. Because it's always the left out lane that eats my poor ball. <laughs> and we're going to do 
the Stern 2015 game WrestleMania, commonly oh, and probably God. heretofore referred to as WWE. So we're going to go through this choice, gem on each of those categories that you've laid out. <laughs> and we're going to say what our letter is. And we're going to say why we gave it what we did. So, uh, Zach, since you're our guest, we're going to let you lead off on each category. And the first category is art. So what's your All grade? Right. And explain right. yourself, man. Explain it. All right. Let's kick it off, guys. Let's start with art. So for WrestleMania, um, I was a little bit higher than you guys were, not by much, but I was at a C minus. Uh, the reason being is because it's not the worst I've seen, and it sure as the heck is not the best I've seen. Uh, what I do like, the points that I do like is everybody loves the WrestleMania Divas on the plastics. I mean, come on, we can all agree that that's, that's a nice touch. Uh, but I also like the the general color scheme. I like the layout of where the art, the composition, if you will, the back glass as well as the the side cabinet. Now, do I want sweaty grown men on the side of the cabinet in the back glass? No, not particularly, but the artist did lay it out very well. And it's red and white and blue, baby. That's America. Everybody loves that. Uh, the things I don't like as much are the play field is just horrendous. It is really, really bad, especially those belts, the clip art of those belts. If those would have been just <laughs> hand drawn. Oh my gosh. Those would be great. But for that, the plus and minus is I'm, I'm weighing in at about C minus. What about you guys? Okay. Tony, go ahead. I went with a D. It's a wrestling theme game. There's nothing you can do that's not going to just be pictures of wrestlers in their poses that they're known for. And that's what they did. I mean, they could have spiced it up. They could have done some changes. They could have done some art that was more interesting. But it went mm-hmm. with, here is wrestler in known pose. Here is wrestler in known pose. You know what we need? We've got a whole bunch of half-naked guys. Let's throw some girls on here just so we don't alienate everybody. And, <laughs> okay, we'll call it good. Yay. It is so clip art, like like vomiting on everything that I just I have no interest in it at all, art wise. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah, uh, I actually I gave it a D as well. Uh, some, similar <laughs> reasons. My 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 two word summary would be Photoshop mess. Mm. If it was just going off the back glass, the translate. I would have leaned more towards your end, Zach. I probably would have given it a C, actually. Because okay, mm-hmm. so it's it's a they just went with montages. CERN does that all the time. C average grade, very pedestrian. You know, Star Trek does it, Game of Thrones does it. that a mm-hmm. lot of them do it. Yeah. I can forgive that. The play field is ugly. The placement oh. of the wrestlers doesn't have anything to do with the shots either. They're just on very, there. Very and, much. and you get the yep. and you get the LE version. Okay, you get the wrestlers that I know instead of the wrestlers I don't know, but they're still just sort of thrown on there. Uh it's not, you know, it's not hand drawn. I, I know standards have now gone up versus where it was at that point. Doesn't matter. It just doesn't there's nothing about the art that really feels very integrated to me. Everything's just kind of thrown on there. And yeah, they're photos, so they're realistic, but I expect I want my art to integrate. And the issue here is I have to spend more time looking at the playfield than black glass. So the abomination that is the playfield has to pull it down for me. And that's why it's not a total fail, but it's not a passing grade. They should have people may gripe all they want about gradient shading on Game of Thrones. This is worse. Mm-hmm. This is worse. And I, I really like the points you made. I think I'm going to use that in the future if you don't mind. I have to spend more time Gra- gradient at the shading playfield than I do. Yes. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, the playfield thing, the bag yeah, glass that, and that, stuff. Yeah, that's always the, yeah, that's always the thing for me. Like, well, like with Star Trek, yeah, the playfield art, I don't love it, but it's not offensive. It's just sort of 
space HUD looking mm-hmm. sort of stuff. If I had to look at the back glass all the time, I'd hate it a lot more because I don't need Chris <laughs> Pine just staring at me. It's kind of <laughs> creepy, really. But, but, uh, okay. So let's go to the next category, Zach. Uh, shots and layout. So for me, shots and layout, uh, I was at a C plus right in the middle oh. of the field there. Yeah. So chime in, guys. But for me, this is, oh, I don't even want to say it, but it's surprisingly satisfying at times, the shots. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I'm not, I don't totally, I don't totally disagree. There's, there's some flow to this. There's some mm-hmm. flow to this. Um, that horseshoe plus, loop. Though, so Come on, so you, you feel it's a, you feel it's above average though, just slightly, but you're feeling that the shot layout is above average. Yeah, because it's different. It's unique. It's got that horseshoe loop that I just love. I do like that midfield, mid, that midfeed. Let me try this again. The midfield. There's that Southern Indiana, the midfield alley shot from that right flipper that goes up and through. I'm trying to think what other machines do that. Now I'm going blank. But so the midfield alley shot, I really do like that. And I don't like that upper play field. I I really hate that actually. But whenever they close that off and they allow those ramps to come back down to another ramp, if you hit that three or four times in a row, it is surprisingly satisfying. Now, at the end of the day, it's the flipper gap. I hate the flipper gap. It doesn't work on any machine, in my opinion. And the upper play field gets old, so shots and layups, I fall right at that C+. Plus. Okay. Uh, Tony? I went with the C-. minus. Okay. So, a still, little, little I've, played, I've played much worse games. It, it mm-hmm. rolls. Uh, uh, the actual play is not terrible. Uh, the biggest thing for me and the thing that pulls the shots and the layout and everything down is that upper play field. The ring is a wonderful idea. It just was poorly executed uh for a wrestling game the whole thought is great but those slings just don't work and Mm. they make trying to hit those shots you have up there and that just ruins the whole game i think without the upper play field it'd probably be a be a much better game but it'd be a completely different game at the same time Uh, i think if they had used something like which came much later obviously but something that fired with more power like the Magnus slings on the Ghostbusters or even just flippers up there so you could actually have a better chance to aim and have some actual control of your shots than what they went with. It would have been much better as an upper play field overall, and I think it just totally destroyed everything about the shots and the layouts of the game. Okay. Uh, well, I'm I'm the lowest of us then. I'm give, I gave shots and layout a D. Oh, God, this ain't good. Yeah. Okay. So... Uh, my biggest gripe, uh, would be echoing Tony, that unfun upper play field. It's just, it's so gimmicky. It looks for, from a theme integration standpoint, I get it. It looks like a ring, but this otherwise fairly flowy layout, as Zach noted, is killed by whenever you're having to be in that upper play field and you have to be in there quite a bit. So. Oh yeah, you do. And because you don't have true flippers, even little two-inch flippers, but instead you're using user-controlled slings, it just has a gimmicky feel to it. So you don't... Because what's the whole purpose of slings? The entire purpose of the slingshot is to lose control of the ball. That's why Mm -hmm. they exist. They're not meant to manage, but you're trying to pick off targets with some semblance of control on a device that was never designed for control and I think is only up there for aesthetic reasons. So that's probably my biggest... I think it falls into that that champion pub gimmicky thing where you, at first you're playing it and you're thinking, oh, this is really cool. This is a lot of fun. And then after game 20, you think, oh, no, I'm back up there. I've got to hit in that stupid yeah. little scoop. Oh, God, get me out of this. Yes. We can sometime, we can uh, we can 
kind of reminisce on all the flaws of Champion Pub because uh, yeah, it's it's just a game of gimmicks and that's its fundamental problem. Great theme mm-hmm. integration though, yeah. just, just oh, like yeah. this oh, tried yeah. to have some good theme integration. But mm-hmm. so or so we got the upper playfield thing. Why it's also a D for me though is when you look at you look it doesn't matter which version you look at. You look at that play field. That is an almost symmetrical layout. This is a devastating no-no. We mm. had symmetrical layouts for decades in the EM era. Ted Zale with Bally put an end to this nonsense. And then people realized, hey, you know what? This isn't about visual balance and how everyone likes to look at symmetrical things. It's more fun to have different shots at different positions on the flipper. This is not a perfectly symmetrical play field. However, it is very much, again, I think trying to service the theme, keep everything kind of equitable. So it seems like they're basically all the same shots on all the same flipper positions on the left and on the right. Visually, looks very nice to the eye. Functionally, Boreville. Hmm. And I have a... so. I think symmetry is something you do not want in pinball machines. The worst EM machines are symmetrical. And unfortunately, that's most of them. But the asymmetrical machines, that's where people started to think, wow, this is really cool. And that's where gameplay started to become valuable when you didn't have code. You could make things different through the symmetry. Symmetry is a problem. So that was why it just I couldn't give it in the C range. That that It's just too symmetrical. Uh, and uh, Trudeau should have known better. I hadn't thought about that. Then, that is a then, really valid point. Uh, then to go with that. Uh, and I'll, I'll just go ahead. While it wasn't a major factor for me, I will echo with, with Zach, the, the flipper gap thing. Uh, I can, I can forgive wide flipper gap in one scenario. You need to put a center post beneath those flippers that you can That's play fair, with yeah. and, and do yeah. nudge bounce with. Uh, they don't like to do it nowadays. I get it. Some, you do it with a regular flipper gap like Spider-Man. You end up with an infinite playing game, but. You want to have a wide flipper gap, put in a center post, have something sort of skill-driven, no problem. They didn't do that here, fail. So, anyway, that's me with the shots. So, category three, Zach, it's rules and code. Yeah. You, you must love the rules and code. Big old fat D. <gasps> and and it's, it's because, number one, it's choppy. This thing, getting through these darn matches are just chop, chop, chop. Um, and you have to hit. Not only is it choppy, but then you've got to hit those stupid drop targets right in the center of the ring, or this uh, right before the ring, center of the playfield, just to start another match on this thing. It's too reliant upon that upper playfield, and I will argue that the most egregious thing that they did with the LE package is where in the heck is my man, Macho Man Randy Savage? We. <laughs> He's, a, he's oh, sorry. Yeah. You got to get, get Slim Jim to give you the rights to that. <laughs> I mean, come on. We need Randy Savage or it is a joke to me. So for Randy Savage purposes alone, it's a D. Wow. Yeah. Ouch. Okay. Tony, <laughs> rules code. I, I gave it a D as well for pretty Two much. Two Ds. Holy yeah. cow. Pretty much the, the, right. the exact same reasons minus the Randy Savage part of it. But otherwise. Why do you uh, hate Randy Savage? Tony? I don't hate Randy Savage. What's your beef with Randy? Yeah. I just hadn't had the thought about it. Mm. I hadn't thought about it. It's probably that Hulk Hogan tattoo you got on your back, right? Yeah. And, uh, they, it's Big Jim Duggan. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I actually gave uh, rules and code a C. So now I'm feeling kind awkward. Of. Yeah. Cause I showed it, I showed some average. I, uh, for me, uh, here's the thing. 
the rules ultimately, as of the last code patch I played, which I don't recall, I think it is the final code <laughs> that I got time on. I thought they got the rules to an acceptable state. That's kind of where I'm coming from on it. I don't think it's great. I think, but I think it's average. I don't, there are no real scoring exploits when they got the final patches in where there used to be early on where you just try and go and stay up in the ring without going in the wrestling and all that. But yeah, yeah, it does make you shoot around. You know, you do those sort of mid, I think Zach described it as the mid alley sort of shots. I mean, those are important. They they got you to shoot around and that's what I really want out of rules. That's, well, I don't like the, the speed of, the Atari Superman game, what I think makes that a good game, or at least the best game Atari ever did, was their rules made you shoot around the play field. You have mm-hmm. to. You want to spell Superman, and that's where all the points are. That's kind of like this. It makes you do stuff in the lower play field. Then you need to go into the upper play field. You need There are mechanical and layout issues with all of that, but the rules fundamentally, I think, are fine. No one will ever say that it was the best <laughs> rule set. But I also think it's not in the discussion of one of the worst designed rule packages either. I just, it's serviceable. Yeah. So for me, it's a, secret. I mean, you do, what I do like about the story of that code too is that you do, you are climbing the ranks. Uh, and that does feel somewhat satisfying because you're that wrestler and you're trying to climb through the tag team tournament, uh, the world champion and different things. So because it is somewhat linear, I still like the story behind that. And I don't know if you guys are like me, but I find this pin relatively pretty difficult especially if you're wanting to see all that code for me it is really really hard yeah i i think it shoots pretty hard i've always thought that about most trudeau games the the layout and some of it's the gap and stuff there's it's just not forgiving Uh, ghostbusters is a breeze right (laughs) (laughs) oh yes ghostbusters i'm I'm always happy when i get over a million anyway (laughs) Oh, Ghostbusters. I actually like Ghostbusters quite a bit, but I know I do too. It's a, it's a lot of tournament people don't, and I like to take them to it because it annoys them. <laughs> and this pleases me. So, right. so speaking of, of pleasing, let's go to Toys and Innovation. We, we just, back in the news section, you gave an, Zach, you gave an impassioned plea for why mm. Toys and Innovation and the manipulation of the silver ball are so critical. So how did this one do with all that? Oh, I have a feeling, a bad feeling about this one. So I, I am overall at a C minus. I'm going to C minus, um, and a couple of reasons. Like, do I like playing this pin? No, but there are some redeeming qualities about it. Now, do I hate the upper play field, the wrestling ring? I, I do. I'm not going to lie. I do, but it is innovative. It is a pretty neat ish toy. It makes sense for WrestleMania. You are controlling the ball with things other than the flippers, so that's always a plus. Uh, plus, on the LE package, that Jumbotron, I don't know if that mm. was like one of the first, but that is really cool, and that's integrated well. That makes a lot of sense when I see you know Hulk Hogan up there in the Legends package, and it's actually playing the match and different things like that. Plus, on the LE, you've got, uh, toys-wise, you have a spinning disc um, up there. Not three of them, but just one right in the middle of that uh, wrestling ring. So you have a spinning disc, so it looks like you're you know, throwing that player against the ropes like they do in real wrestling. And it's different. Uh, I don't really like it. But it is different enough that I'm not going to pan it. Okay. Uh, Tony? I'm going to pan it. I give oh. him an F. Oh. Oh, oh God. Oh, I failed it. It's gone. Wow. 
the 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 only toy or innovation as far as I could tell was the ring and the ring is horrible. Now, to be fair, <laughs> I've not played an LE, so I've not I've not had a chance to play around with the with, with the spinning disc or any of that. But there's not much there and what is there is terrible. It's it ruins the game. Uh that whole upper play field just ruins any chance that game had to be good. It was a great idea, poorly executed. That's, so much so that it's an F. It's an F. Mm. Wow. Well, I, I try, I tried to feign shock, but I, I can't be too shocked because I gave it an F also. Uh, <laughs> oh my, shots yeah. fired! Wow. That, well, I mean, because I, I don't really think there's anything I can add that Tony didn't already say. There's only one toy. There's only one element of innovation. It's the upper play field with mm-hmm. slings for flippers. So it sucks. It just sucks. So I don't care how innovative something is. If it's not fun, I can't give it credit for being meaningful. I know enjoyability is a different category, but I can't just count up stuff and then say, well, look, it's got all these options. It's like, hey, look, you didn't go with bucket seats. They went with seats with spikes on them. Well, yeah, but it hurts. So I can't, I can't call that innovative. That, so. So That's now all point. my time has been on a pro. I don't know why, because you can buy LEs for cheaper than pros were, but. Oh, ouch. But that said, the Jumbotron does look nice, but yeah. I just, but I'm sorry. I, it's just, it's just another screen. You a, don't, ju- a Jumbotron, it, it doesn't, Jumbotron produ- makes sense. It, it does. It does make sense. So that's all getting into theme integration, which unfortunately isn't a category. To me, that's just <laughs> that's integration. Correct. So while the, I don't, I don't view just playing clips as a particularly innovative concept. Uh, granted, it's being done on a nicer screen than just on dots, but that's been done for a while. Yeah. So I just, it doesn't, to me, it wasn't, it just wasn't real. And it wasn't real innovation. The disc would be okay. more, but the only problem with the disc is now I love me some triple spinning disc. And if they had those, <laughs> they surely would never take them away. But, <laughs> but the problem is. That upper play field already sucks because you have no control because of the sling flippers. So why mm-hmm. add a disc? Yeah. It just made it even worse. So you're not going to get but, anything yeah. done up there. You already can't get anything done up there. So it just, because it compromises on the fun too much, I just can't pass it. I just, it just, I, I respect the attempt, but I don't give grades for respect. I give them for oh, results. Wow. And you guys are almost, the, uh, the result almost was convincing fa- me here. The result was a fail. No, you made some really good points. Uh, the Jumbotron and the thing is we, since we combined the two, right. And most of the mm-hmm. games sold were pros. That's just the, I mean, most people aren't even going to see the Jumbotron. And maybe that's, that's a little that's unfair true. to fail it because we blended the two together, but you know, people can hate on me for choosing to do that, but that's how I, that's how I approached it. I was just like, Jumbotron I don't, I don't, I, is neat, but yeah. I just, I couldn't get it out of the F range because of just one little thing the LE had. I don't think there's a lot of WWE fans out there that you're going to get nasty emails. I think you're okay on this one, Ben. <laughs> I'm aware. I'm aware of one podcaster who likes that game. Oh, really? Uh, Tommy Skinner with this flipping podcast. Oh yeah, our boy Tommy Skinner. Now, here's the thing: if you talk trash about Iron Maiden, and see what happens. Oh yeah, yeah. No, so, no. That did, we we we, we ain't stealing your thunder, Zach. That's your realm. Yeah. I just yeah. assumed you had to set up a filter that searched through everything, and if it, anywhere in the thing it said "I will kill you," it just automatically moved it to the trash. Yeah, yeah. People, people stopped watching our show because of that review alone. So, uh, 
I'm okay with that. I'm they with say that. that, but in reality, they're still watching. They just load it up uh, in a private private tab. My little Grinch <laughs> heart hopes so. <laughs> Don't worry. It'll, it'll grow three sizes bigger once they once they learn <laughs> that you were harder on WrestleMania. Your, your street your street cred's coming back, Zach. <laughs> it will never be there. But let's move on to theme, guys. Theme. What about music I'm, and callouts? Oh, oh, sorry. Let's do that. Let's we do can music do them and in any order you, you want. I'm I no way reading from a list. You do better at it than I do. Uh, for <laughs> music and callouts, I am. I didn't mind it again. What am I liking this game so much for? I'm going to B minus. Uh, okay. I will say that's my highest. That's my highest grade. Music callouts Spoilers. for me. Um, it's got Jerry the King Lawler. That's why it's a B minus because his callouts are. That's why I used to watch wrestling. I loved that guy. Um, the tunes are engaging. They're kind of upbeat. You get some hip hop flair, which we oftentimes don't get in uh, a pinball machine. So that's welcomed for me and my generation. Um, and then you get the theme music for every character. So not that I listen to John Cena music in my car, but <laughs> it is, for me, it's welcomed. It's, it's, it doesn't turn me off at all. But again, okay. you know, it's nothing special. B minus. Well, that's still, especially for this game, that's a pretty, that's pretty yeah. high praise. Absolutely. Tony, Tony, do you have high praise for music and callouts? No, but I, I can see his point. I went with a D. Oh, wow. I could have, yeah. Are you sure you see his point from down there? Tony, <laughs> Tony is rough. <laughs> I, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, I just, uh, all my playtime, obviously, on this game. Was in a bar setting, so I never really heard the music. I only ever heard callouts, and the callouts were fine. But the biggest thing with most everything is almost everything has to do with wrestlers that I have no knowledge of. Um, yeah. I used to do wrestling, or I, I used to watch wrestling. I was a big wrestling fan, but the last time I paid any attention to wrestling was mid to late nineties. Yeah, me so too. so uh, most of it just didn't have any. None of it had any real grab to me. None of it really, nothing really stuck out to me. And I, I had to actually go listen to somebody play to remember anything from it. So that just, if it can't even stick in memory, not even one thing about it could stick in my memory. I saw no reason to even give it an average. Okay. Uh, I went with B. Woo! There's I'm my boy. the bottom guy. Yeah, I uh, I thought the music integration was really good. They got all the the themes for the various wrestlers. I think it sounds good while you're playing it. So the music really carries it, and yeah, callouts work. I think the I mean I don't have an association with the name like Zach does, but yeah. I just think it was clean and polished. It's not muddy. It works for the theme. It work not just work for the theme. It works for pinball. And so I thought, oh yeah, mm. no that it's. It's also a spoiler for me. This is my highest mark too. Uh, but yeah, I think the music and callouts are actually above average, quite a bit above average. Not great. It won't go down in history as a great, but mm -hmm. I think anyone who listens to it will be like, you know what? This is a lot better than everything else about this game. <laughs> yeah. So now, <laughs> which theme. isn't saying a whole lot, but yeah. Yeah. Theme. Okay. So Zach, what, what here, do you think of this theme? Here we go. Tell, tell Guys, me about this, wrestling. This, this. Theme is just this theme needs a lot of help. Um, for me, it's right there with Iron Maiden, one of our favorite themes, right? For me, it's a big old fat <laughs> D. Uh, I don't think <sighs> anybody really cares about. Uh, I take it back. A lot of people care about WWE. I just don't know if that crossover is as high as they would anticipate between pinball ownership and playability and 
uh, wrestling. I could be wrong, uh, but yeah, theme. I think it's poop, man. It's oily, grown men doing <laughs> a fake sport. It's a D. <laughs> Tony, do you agree? Do you agree? D. B. It's my highest rating. Oh, oh my God. Oh, Tony. Why? Why? Uh, B. Because B. wrestling is a huge fan base. And in all honesty, done right, you could turn out a wrestling game that is really good and does integrate the theme really well. I mean, Royal Rumble is an amazing wrestling-themed game. And the same thing could have happened here. It could be done well. It has the possibility to be done well. And I think that it's got a big chance and a big built-in fan base that can be grabbed, provided the game's actually halfway decent. That (laughs) said, this game doesn't do any of those things. But that's not the theme's fault. Mm. Okay. I I see where you're coming from. I lean more towards the theme. Yes. I, 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 I lean more towards Zach's interpretation. The only problem, Zach, was you didn't go far enough. I gave the theme an oh, F boy. because that's Whoa. what it deserves. Here's the thing. Wrestling is a bad theme. This isn't even real wrestling. It's fake wrestling. So it's not even a sport. This is play acting. It's a niche appeal. WWF oh. era was when the sport quote air quote. I'm doing air quotes microphone. In the, my microphone was when this sport was popular. No one likes it anymore except for John Cena because he gives a whole lot of money to charity and he's a cool dude. Everything else about it sucks. This theme sucks. I bet you WWE paid Stern to do this run because I can't oh, imagine they gave wow, money for this license. And strong you, takes. This doing this pin would have been like doing World Poker Tour today. Rather oh. than 15 years oh, ago. no. It, not even close. Yes. No this, way. Yes. No. Yes way. I'm right. All of you and all the listeners know I'm right. Wrestling sells out massive stadiums multiple times not a week. Not pinball players. We are a no, sophisticated a- lot. Oh, my In our cognac <laughs> and single malt scotches in both hands. Oh, whatever. <laughs> You're not I've going been to, to sell. It. I have seen You're not enough. selling a I guarantee you there are people that we've gone fan. to. <laughs> there are people who make no. plenty of money. No. There are people who are no. well-to-do who still enjoy wrestling. I don't have a problem with wrestling. I don't follow it anymore, but I can still understand the draw from it. It's just like, it's just like watching, uh, stunt actors in a movie play fight it's the same thing do you no, enjoy a no, good kung stop. fu movie no, this i enjoy that, a good kung fu is, movie that is complete look if you want to like i'm not trying to tell you not to like wwe i understand that you're very <laughs> sensitive about this okay <laughs> yeah i'm very that sensitive about that F that is not my beans. position my position simply is that this is a terrible theme it was a stupid idea stern is probably ashamed of itself for choosing it and they should have done ufc instead Obvious answer, hyper-violent, money-driven, more popular, real sport that would have sold more machines. I'll be 100% honest with you. I'm not sold on the more popular section of that. UFC, the whole mixed martial arts thing, is bigger than boxing now. Well, that's fine. Boxing has crashed. I'm still not sold that it's bigger bigger than... Than dinner theater. Dinner theater. I'm, I, I'm you know what? I, I agree on that. I agree I, on that. I, I, I don't think, I think so. That the fan base, 
the fan base for WWE, you're right, uh, Tony. I think the fan base is huge. The problem is you look like a tool being a fan of WWE. <laughs> you look like a macho guy by being a That's fan right. of UFC. And that, my friends, is what the argument held uh, true to that Iron Maiden and the TNA thing that I've talked about before. That's right. We we can't have tools yeah, in pinball. Of course not. No. It'd been, yeah, it'd been sure. like doing monster trucks as a theme. You just no. I know that people like to go there because they'll sell you the whole seat, but you only need the edge. Hey, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with going and seeing monster no, trucks. No, but it's it shouldn't cool. be a pinball theme. Yeah, I can, just like Oktoberfest, totally it shouldn't be a pinball theme. It just oh, there. Look, listen, Oktoberfest is a. I have let a me list tell you, right I can here tell you exactly on this paper of things that shouldn't be themes. Right, that's fine. I can tell you exactly why Oktoberfest would even be thought of as a pinball machine, mm-hmm. and because it involves beer and boobs. That's the whole reason that it will exist. Sure, I understand. Just like how Andrew Highway thought that you could sell a Playboy machine in 2018. That's I get different. where the idea came from. That doesn't mean it actually works. Yeah, but that uh, hold up. That's not even on the same. That's not even on the same planet. One is having fun. I know. Fun I wouldn't have brought it up car- at all. But Tony decided to go down <laughs> this route because he got sensitive about the mo- first. The uh, wrestling put him sensitive, and now the monster trucks. I'm Playboy is a for real theme that tries to take itself seriously. Uh, the cartoon large-breasted women drinking large pails of ale. I think that's a, a totally. Dip- that's fun and sporty. Playboy is sporty. What <laughs> sport is that? <laughs> I, I have a new sport that I would like to watch. Sporty. I'm just saying. Sporty. It's going to be more interesting than baseball. Oh, well, oh. You, you know, yeah. Oh. There's a reason we don't see more baseball pins. More <laughs> Royals fans over there. Yeah, yeah. They're not doing that great this year, but it's been a long time since there's been a baseball theme. But we won't be talking about that. <laughs> We're going to be talking about our last element, enjoy it. Well, besides the cumulative score, of course, but enjoyability, Zach. So how fun was this game for you? Okay. You know what? I've owned this game. I've owned uh, WWE Pro um, or WrestleMania Pro. I didn't want it, uh, but boy, oh boy, it was so cheap. <laughs> and you said uh, and you can't was, turn down a deal. I will not turn down a deal. Now, this is uh, hindsight. This was a bad business move on my part because I thought, it's a brand new pin. I'll play it for a couple weeks and sell it. Boy, oh boy, did I have trouble selling this pin. So the first 50 games, I had fun. I thought, eh, people are crazy. This thing has got a unique layout. I'm bouncing around up there. I'm trying to pin people. I'm trying to get all of these uh, belts or whatever they call them in, in wrestling. But I thought, hey, this is fun. But then from game 51 on, I couldn't get this thing out of my game room quick enough. It was choppy. I was up there in the upper play field. I wanted to drain the ball, but then I realized once I drain it down to the lower third, what am I doing? Nothing, because i got to get back up to the upper third to play these ding matches. So now I'm going to C minus, and it wasn't very enjoyable. Okay. Tony. D. Wow. After all that impassioned theme defense, you ended up No, like... the theme's the best thing. I think the theme's no, the best thing about They're different the categories. I'm it's just saying, I'm just saying, it's interesting I'll how, what, what a dichotomy this is. I, I would have effed this on enjoyability. Really? Except for one thing and one thing only. What's that thing? Uh-oh. I never lost this game in tournament play. This was my golden god in tournament play. <laughs> so, <sighs> that's the, the only redeeming of- feature. Okay. Well, I, I that's have a good beat re- players no, that's that I've reason. never that's, beaten on in any other game look, ever. On from a, this from game. a competitive angle, you are not alone. With I've seen lots of people rate games just because they do well on them. 
in the in that setting. So I don't mm-hmm. I don't fault you for it. I did what you should have done, Tony. I gave it the F that it deserved. <laughs> uh, it and I also I did not win it all the time. So maybe that's part of it. I remember once uh, when we had it on location early early in its cycle. I was sitting down and someone was winning by quite a bit and I wasn't even over by it. And I think I mentioned, I wasn't sure what, uh, I don't know if there'd been a new code patch or what. And someone had, I just had offhandedly said, I don't really know what to do for the points on this. And someone there uh, said, well, Dennis, maybe you should stand and watch your opponent and see what they do so you can learn something about it. <laughs> and I said, I don't want to know anything more about this game. I'm already done with it. <laughs> there's, there's I'd rather the just, love. I'd rather just lose. And that's what I'd I rather did. just lose. Now, I, I kept my honor and I lost. Cause sometimes that's what you have. Sometimes keeping your honor requires the difficult choice. So yes, the thing with the enjoyability is I don't think there is anything at all fun about this game. I think it's the biggest Ooh. miss Stern has had since Avengers and it's arguably a worse game. I'd say say you'd probably have to go back to Rolling Stones to find a worse game from Stern. Mm. You don't even enjoy some of the shots. You're a shots guy. It's the problem is just again, it comes fundamentally down to the upper play field is a core component of the gameplay. The touch that you need, it's too delicate. You have no control. And I don't like the idea that no matter how good of a player I might become, that I can't have control up there. I can have control on World Poker Tour. I can have control on Grand Lizard. And these are not upper play fields that are kind to control. But I can't have control here because of a design decision. So that makes this entire game fall on its face. The layout only accomplishes a single thing to me, and that's theme integration. But a pen is not made to sit and collect dust. It's made to be played. I don't think it's inspired. The rules aren't enough to keep it compelling because while they're serviceable code, it's not fun code. It's just, mm. there's nothing about it. I don't, I don't think it has a great light show. I mean, the only nice thing I can say about it is if you have the LE, you get the Jumbotron. That's the only nice thing I can say, but it doesn't make it enjoyable. If I want to watch wrestling clips, I'll go to YouTube. I guess you don't so, like the gold armor too, huh? No, <laughs> yellow armor in my view like never works maybe it would with lord of the rings and hobbit maybe but uh, we're gonna keep really. seeing that darn gold armor show up on pinball until machines they, until they use them all up <laughs> that's yeah. right uh, use it up St- St- stern will make sure they use all those supplies just like we still have to keep have like keep having to have those arc mechanisms from indiana jones 4 showing up and things like, hey isn't that the arc there in aerosmith now hey we're using what we got just, just the toy just, box yeah that's right that's right so so okay so overall it looks like zach you came in at a c minus yep sorry guys uh still no wow. d here I yeah, Tony, you came in at a D plus, and I came in at a straight D. So okay. we didn't give it an F. No, overall, no. There are way worse games than this. I expected mm-hmm. trying to come up with a game to get Zach. I mean, technically, he finally rated something less than a C, but only just barely. Yeah, this <sighs> is my lowest ranked game, guys. I know, <laughs> but I I wanted I I wanted like to send a message. And that message see, wanted you to go down at least another half step. See, what we should have done, we should have done Grand Lizard, except for then the the music and call-outs. I don't know if Zach's played Grand what Lizard. A, what a, I've, not got a, I've not got enough time on Grand Lizard because it's just so deeply <laughs> I don't care to play it. <laughs> it. It is, in my view, one of the worst System 11s ever made. And, and I, I love know, System I, 11s, too. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it's hard to encounter them. So you yeah. have to. And they did make 30 of them. And some of mm-hmm. them are far worse than Grand Lizard. I mean, Bugs Bunny or, or Millionaire, I've heard. I've not even played Millionaire and everyone says it's the worst one they ever did. And Bugs Bunny's so bad. I have trouble uh, yeah. fathoming that. But Bugs Bunny's so bad. If Millionaire's worse than Bugs Bunny, I would assume that like every time you plunge the ball, you have a chance to just have your heart stop working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, we covered all the topics I had in the outline. So, Zach, unless you have anything else you wanted to talk about with us. I, I, I have to add, because you guys didn't, you guys aren't talking about video games, and that's fine. But I, I like video games. I don't get to play much because, well, there's pinball, and that's so much better. But what are you guys' favorite video game consoles? Like, the greatest video game console of all time. I want to hear what you guys have to say. PC. Oh, oh come on, Tony. Okay, you want console? Fine. Let me think Tony. about it. Let me think about it. There's only one right answer, by the way. I mean, for me, and here, you know, obviously this is going to be so tainted by nostalgia, but for me, the if I have to pick one console as the greatest console of all time, it would have to be the original Nintendo Entertainment System. And the reason for that is that is the console that was responsible for saving us, us as a society, from the video game crash of 1983. Atari uh-huh. and all those manufacturers that were putting out cartridges for the 2600 completely exploited the public, turned out shovelware hand over fist. It just, it decimated the, it decimated the video game industry. It was at a point, which a lot of pinball people would probably love, but it was at a point where people thought home video games are not a market anymore. People will only do Hmm. this stuff in arcades. We can't, this is not viable. People won't trust it anymore. Nintendo came in, took out a system with a very similar chipset to what the Atari came out with. Atari 2600 almost came out with the same chip that Nintendo used. It was out mm-hmm. when they made their machine. But they also, they being Nintendo, had another chip to handle the graphics, so it looked way better. They're both 8-bit systems, but Nintendo looked way better. They did the Nintendo seal of quality, where they would actually stamp a gold symbol on game saying, we have, re- we have gone over this. It is not shovelware. This is a real video game. Quality went way up. The industry recovered. Other manufacturers got into play. If Nintendo did not come out with the NES, there is no Xbox, there is no PlayStation, there is no Dreamcast. They Mm. drove all of it. And while I do not own a current Switch or any modern Nintendo console, and I have not owned a Nintendo console since the Super Nintendo, I still have to give them props for saving the industry. And for that reason, that console has to be number one. Objectively, it's number one. Objective. Yes. That kid, that's, that was good. That was yeah. really good. I, I, I have hard arguments. Uh, it's hard to find arguments against that because it's valid on all of your points. I will say I do own uh, a, a Nintendo Switch. It is my first Nintendo uh, console since the uh, Super Nintendo. But... I've owned every single iteration of the Game Boy since the original Game Boy came out. And I think the ability to go handheld that they gave us with the original Game Boy, with the kind of battery life we saw off the original Game Boy uh, when it first came out, is one of the biggest things that have hit video games. 
since probably the first home systems came, came on. The ability to set in a car and play games, the ability to be sitting, at, you know, on a park bench and play games. I mean, we see it everywhere now. It's on your phone. It's on everything. Mm-hmm. And that all started with the original Game Boy system. And I think the original Game Boy system still has some of the best games that are still fun and playable. Some of the ports they put on the original system from other systems worked out really well. And all in all, I think that started a huge chunk of what became the modern gaming industry was when they shifted to the portability uh, allowed by such a system and every iteration they've put out. Yes, their new consoles, their new, their new, their new systems, but they've all led to the same thing up to the point where they've almost put themselves out of business. Thanks to the cell phone, because mm-hmm. it does everything that you would want to do on a, on a thing. And you already have it with you. And their move to do the Switch, where they've fully combined the consoles and the portability, was a really good move on their part. I do find myself, I take my Switch to work some days, and I will sit there and play Stardew Valley on my breaks and at lunch. And then I will go home, and I will drop it into the cradle, and I will play Stardew Valley at home. Or I will play Link at home. Or I will play Mario Rabbids at home. Or, I mean, again, I will play them and then go home and drop it in the cradle and play some more. Or I'll pull it out of the cradle and take it to work and play it at work or play it when I'm riding in a car. And it's just brought the two things together. I think the portability that they added from the original Game Boy system when it first came out has been one of the biggest things in video games and why I think just the entire Game Boy series up to the combined with... Uh, Switch would make me put it on the Game Boy. And now just Nintendo. Nintendo owns the console market. Yes, PlayStation is better graphically. Xbox 360 is better graphically. They have more games. They have more games that are aimed at the gamer. But nobody has the pedigree that comes out of Nintendo. And I say that as somebody who hasn't owned a Nintendo console until... The Switch, which is the portable one. Well, you guys just dropped the uh, dropped the mics there. I can appreciate that, and <laughs> I can now say that I'm incorrect in the thought that I had, and so much so that I'm not going to utter uh, the thoughts that I had no, regarding no, the best we, console. Yeah, we would like to hear your thoughts. Yeah, utter it. Utter it. I, 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 so, I, you were so I, wrong I, on all the pinball <laughs> stuff, too, but that didn't stop you. Wow. I guess, oh. I mean, I've, it's... It sounds like I'm, I've got the pinball thing down. You guys have got the video game thing down. I like that. <laughs> oh, uh, I would, ouch. I, I would say, uh, I was going to say Super Nintendo just because it's such a bad <laughs> console and I love most, most of the g- classic games on there. Um, but you guys, you guys dropped nostalgia and history and stats. So I have nothing. I, I do have a soft spot in my heart for the Sega Dreamcast. Uh, but objectively, as I you should. I don't think it's yeah. a great console, but boy, oh boy, did I love some of those titles that they had for that system. Well, to uh, to to throw you a couple of bones, uh, Super Nintendo uh, was an incredible advancement in the technology of home console. In fact, it really the first notable major advancement. And I still remember when I got that and I put in the uh, the Zelda game, and it was raining. And oh so, yeah. yeah! Whoa! It's like blew my little mind. <laughs> Mm-hmm. No, it was so, it was yeah, there's nothing wrong I mean, with Super Nintendo. It was, it's amazing. What a great way to shepherd in the 16-bit era. And arguably, Super Nintendo has better games than the original NES overall. 
Yeah. Just, mm-hmm. This has a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a big reason why a lot of people were really excited about the Super NES classic when it came out. Oh yeah. Out. And the big question was, why didn't you put as many games in as you did with the regular uh, Nintendo classic? You had plenty to choose from. Why mm-hmm. didn't you do it? Uh, mm-hmm. Dreamcast. I never owned a Dreamcast. I've played it a few times. The thing I thought I would go ahead and throw out regarding the Dreamcast is, Arguably, I think you could make a really good case that the Dreamcast was the most ahead of its time console ever created. Hmm. Uh, it's just, there was a lot of innovation. Unfortunately, you couldn't fully take advantage of all of right. it when that happened. And so the, uh, the system didn't do as well for Sega as, as they would have liked, but there was a lot of really good ideas that were, that were embedded in there that I, and it had good yeah, games. Sure. Sure. It's oh, just, yeah. It's those, Remember Power yeah. Stone? Power Stone was awesome. Yeah, I liked, uh, and I mean, that was the system where I started my playing of the Soul Calibur series. Oh, to yeah. The, to yeah. the point where, mm. where, where me and Mike, who's co-host with, with us before, would literally start playing Soul Calibur on the Dreamcast. And that is what we would do for an entire night. It'd be like, Hey, let's go get some food. Then we'd come back and we'd play. <laughs> We play Soul Calibur for another like seven hours until we're like passing out. You should yeah. have entered Evo. I could have back then. Yeah. You could have been great. You could have been a big star. You could have been a contender. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was, uh, that was the last time the, with, with Soul Calibur, the original Soul Calibur was the last time I think I was really a good, good fighting game player. And I think I full on could have done it back then with the yeah. kind of hours Win I those in the kind of play. I mean, because we were at the point where we were, you know, there were no combos that you couldn't do. There were no, I mean, blocks were happening all the time. It was, we were solid and I could have been somebody back then. <laughs> Won those big, big pots, those tournaments. Yeah. Cause there ain't no, there were no, per- well, there weren't any pinball tournaments back then either. So. True. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, did you have anything else, Zach? No, I appreciate you guys answering that. That uh, That's why we all love the Collected Gamers podcast, because you guys can diversify and talk about the numerous things that we love as hobbyists. So for that, thank you so much. Well, we appreciate you and the other 11 of you. you <laughs> <laughs> it makes it worth our time. Well, uh, I'll go ahead and close out the show. As a reminder, you can listen to Zach, or more preferably watch him and Greg in action, reviewing and destroying your favorite games on Straight Down the Middle, a pinball show. We have links to the YouTube channel and to the audio podcast version in the show notes. You can also always reach out to us here at Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Best way to reach us is either via email, eclecticgamerspodcast at gmail.com, or on facebook.com slash eclecticgamerspodcast. We're also available on Twitter. Never, never on Twitter. No, we're Twitter. And, and, and Instagram is eclectic underscore gamers. And in two weeks, we will be back. We will probably have at least two guests and we will break down all the major video game announcements of E3. But if there's any notable pinball stuff, do not fret pinball fans. We will put in the pinball portion at the front like we always do for convenience sake. Until then, I'm Dennis. I'm Tony. And that was Zach. So thanks, Zach. Hey, thanks, guys. You guys are the best.